Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. What is good, internet? It is Friday, April 12th, 2019. What's wrong, Kata? This is the enunciation on that is. What's why? What's your problem? What Sometimes I do. I mix up what's good and what is good. What is Sometimes I want to know what is good. Not just what's good. What is good? (laughs) Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. (laughs) Today, April 12th, 2019. It's a Friday. We're recording on a Friday. We don't normally do that. Uh, We're all exhausted. It has been a really long week. This is Waypoint Radio, episode 229. You've already heard the voices of of Kato on the boards. You've already heard Patrick Klepp sipping coffee out of his Chicago Bears mug. Yes. That was I, Daniel I, took, yes. I had a a, a a tickle on my throat, so I took some pills. I went to bed at eight forty five last oh. night. Slept like a solid ten hours. I'm ready. Let's oh. go. Give me that Star Wars trailer. Um, is Friday. that today? Is that dropping today? Hell yeah! It's in like an hour. It's gonna happen in the middle. We can do it live. Yeah, we we'll, all watch we'll it live. Live, yeah. live reacts. Fuck there live we reaction. go. And that was the very very tired voice of Natalie Watson, whose eyes are closing as we speak. <laughs> I'm close. My eye closed. You- I'm closed for business. Okay. You went to a concert last night. I did. I went to the Aphex Twin concert nice. last night. And That's going to make a subset of our listeners like super jealous. I felt like my soul left my body in a bad way. Oh, no. In a bad way. <laughs> because of how tired you are? Because of how. I was like. Did you have a good time? Mmm. <gasps> That's I appreciate no. I appreciate what happened there. there I appreciate you go. there was great music. Mm-hmm. Um some very interesting visuals. Um I, this, are you even an Aphex Twin fan or did you go there to support someone that's an Aphex Twin fan? My dear boyfriend whom I This love is fine. I'm just so saying much. this is revealing the way this you're happens. talking about it is, is what we've all done yes. is that mm-hmm. you go to a, you go to see a a, a concert for yes. someone who's way more into it. Yeah. Then you, because I've just started finding friends like, yo, you want this ticket? Like, go with my wife. Like, you'll enjoy it more than than me. And I'm, it's a better for everybody. It's better it's for everybody. You know, yeah, except for the fact that it was our anniversary present that he got for Dang. us. Dang. Wow, so, okay. We're, I was we're learning some things go. about your relationship <laughs> I was right now, Natalie. To go. You can't hand that off. That's You can't hand that off. I could not off. hand That's... that off. I did, uh, you know, like I said, I appreciated it. Um, I have immense uh, crowd anxiety, oh. immense, and to be blasted with strobe lights as you are planning your exit strategy for when shit goes tough, down yeah. is a little tough. Yeah. So, 
you, you know, made it through the night. I made it through the You're night. You're here now. I'm here now. Where we can turn the lights down here. We yeah. have like a nice red this submarine light going on. This honestly feels too bright for me. Like okay, after can, can after what I... You want to go like less uh, laser vibe? Less laser. I've oh, seen no. too many lasers. You, oh, oh, wrong, oh wrong, no! Wrong. Wrong. Went, I went bad. I went bad. It went bad. Oh, that's beautiful. Where's blue? Is this? Blue? Oh, this is three nice. Is blue. Oh. Three is blue. Yes, three is blue. blue. Everything's blue. But oh, let's go like nice. a blue two. Oh yeah, that's there. We that go. This is basically nice. the dark. Yeah, that feels really good. <laughs> We're oh, underwater. Yeah, yeah, it's like an underwater vibe. It is. I like that. I'd love to be underwater. I feel like Patrick is lighting us. Patrick is, is lighting us. Actually, Thank you. That's just every day of Patrick's our lives. Patrick's backyard is lighting us. <laughs> that's true, 100%. Um, There's a wind warning out right now. Don't go out there. I oh. heard it. I heard about that. Be careful. Uh, not here. Here it's fine. Here it's just kind of gloomy. Yeah. But I wore a sweatshirt. I wore a sweatshirt here today. No jacket at I all. I wore just a little jacket. A little, like a tiny baby jacket. <laughs> a tiny. I put it just over my pinky finger. Wow. And then I came wearing, that's the gloves. <laughs> You're thinking of gloves. I'm thinking of a pinky glove. Um, the opposite of a bright strobe light ridden uh, electronic music concert. Mm-hmm. That's what they call those EMCs. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> is, uh, I, I would say. Uh, Falcon Age, a game that came out this week and that both you and Patrick played, Natalie. Um, we did. I have not played this at all. Danielle, have you seen Falcon Age? Have I you... sure have. I've seen so many gifts of that bird doing the cool thing with its neck. How do they do that? They do the technology. Brr, brr. Wait, no, but brr. I mean, how do birds do it? They don't have bones. Mm, I don't think that's, <laughs> that's true. true. Mm, I think that's a fact. We're just going to leave it there. Don't look at yeah, it. They don't have, they don't have, yeah. I no think one they just have no a lot bones. of muscles in their neck. And so they can just do whatever the fuck they so want. They, well, because they're constantly looking all the way left or all the way right. Have right, you seen an owl not, before? Yeah, I've, have I seen an owl before? They can you know flip I beat Sekiro. All... It's because they fly. Wow, spoilers? No, that character's name is Owl. It's because right they fly, <laughs> says Connor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's not an owl monster in the game. I mean, he's monstrous, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, owls He's can, big. Apple, uh, apples, owls can flip it all the way around. They can flip it all the way yeah. around. Wait, 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 They cannot flip it all the way around. It's like one uh, degree. Can they do a full 360? No, they can't do a full 360, right? They can go one, they can like, do 75. Okay, so they can, they can, like, spin it around almost all the way, but yeah. they can't do, like, a loop. No. It's not like a ball joint, like no. a ball jointed doll where you just, like, <laughs> it's not like your shoulder, because your Fresh. shoulder does that. Your shoulder, you can do a full 360. A rotator cuff. A ro- right, exactly. You don't have a rotator collarbone or whatever. <laughs> that sounds... But what if you did? Yeah. That'd be cool. I'm going to be... open up some notes for a tabletop the game I'm running soon. The neck would have to be loose or elastic in such a way. Yes, yeah, skin is the problem. You're yeah. right. We should just get rid of that altogether. <laughs> Skin is is the problem here. Uh, you know, this is how science happens. There's enhancements in our futures. That's true. You get robot necks. Get a robot meshy neck. A mesh neck. <laughs> a mesh. A We're really neck. in it right a now. Mech. A mech. Yeah, we just oh. shorten that to mech, and then mech necks can go wherever they want. Play yeah. my new tabletop game, mech neck. <laughs> um, tell me about falcons and their the age that they are. Um, I would love to. Uh, don't know. Um, <laughs> so actually, the game itself does not tell you how falcons age because it's just apparently a blink in an eye they become a child to an adult. Yeah, months later. Mm. Um, so I played uh, the demo at PAX and then um, reviewed it for the site this week. You can go read that review; it's up on the site. Waypoint.vice.com slash me. Um, that's, that's, that's not, not going to take you there. What is that? What happens if you type that in? I uh, probably a four hundred four, right? Probably internal Just server error. This to me. It's not you. It's us. Try again soon. Wow, that's actually <laughs> it's not, not you. Which is not true. 
It is you it's for you. that's not. Don't try again soon. Nothing will ever be at that URL. Well, anyway, um, give us time. I'll, I'll figure it out. <laughs> um, so Falcon Age is like a first person, uh, uh, sort of like walking sim with like light combat, um, light puzzle mechanics. Um, that I had a lot of mixed feelings about. I um, wrote about this in my review, but basically the gist is I felt like the game came out on top, like from the from the start, really strong on um, on telling a story about anti-colonialism, telling a story about resistance, about the effects of colonialism on um, the colonized cultures. Um, and I was disappointed to see that narrative fade into the background in place of uh, very frustrating gameplay loops yeah. that I just couldn't have a good time with. Um, some of that has to do with, with like, uh, what's it called when it's, uh, like, good for, what is it called when it's good for a player? When you're, when it's, like. Player-centric? When, uh, when it's, like, oh, this is nice. Mm -hmm. Immersion? No, no, no. When it's, like, you're playing, when you. It's like a like, nice day. No, it's, like, when you're doing something and it, when you're on the app and then the app, and it's, like, very easy to use like user friendly. User friendly. Yeah. You are tired. All right. Yes. I had no idea where yes. we were going with Me that one. Either. Honestly, I was like, "Is there going a million different ways?" <laughs> player friendly. Yeah, I got you. User I, friendly. I, I player friendly. Sure. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh -huh. So it's like uh, things like the UI. Yeah. There's some like. Yeah. Yeah. There was like some things about like the the quest log and quest system, the waypoints and things like that that weren't as player friendly that just didn't give you as much information. Yeah, I saw you do a quest. So, but I. So I watch you play like the back third of this game or yeah. the back quarter of this game or something. Yeah. And a lot of the time was spent trying to get money for a quest that was an optional quest, but that was not marked as an optional quest. No, there was a quest no. that was like, get your bird. I still don't know how to complete that quest. No, I think it's bugged. I suspect it. I've heard from other people being like, I also did that. It's still bugged. Yeah. Uh, there was um, like a quest that's like, get all the get all the upgrades or like well, upgrade says, your bird. Yeah, it just says upgrade your falcon's armor. From this specific character. Right, from the shop or whatever. Yeah, the shopkeeper. And I saw you collect mines. Like there are these – there's like a minefield that you can kind of like – Oh, just okay. That grind. De deactivate those mines and then get them to sell them. Yeah. And they sell for a lot. And I saw you do that same – and also that minefield doesn't stay cleared. I don't know who remines them. Uh, I don't know. Robots? Somebody – Evil bird. I mean there's drones. An evil bird. Oh, there evil are drones. Evil doppelganger of your bird. We wow, did that podcast that yesterday. We did – we recorded our us, us podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Which you'll hear about yeah. in two weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, something that I didn't talk – well, Patrick, what were your kind of first impressions? And then I kind of wanted to talk about something that I didn't get the chance to talk about in my review. But what was your well, first Yeah, so one thing feels? I'd say – so you played this with a controller, right? Yeah. Like a regular DualShock? So I've, I'm, I'm playing it in VR. The game okay. has been part of Sony's uh, VR push. Like when they've done a lot of demos of this game, it's been like very much – talking about how the VR is not the way to play the game, but obviously it's an important way they thought about yeah. making the game. And also there's all sorts of sort of aesthetic constraints that come with making a game in VR mm -hmm. um, as a result of having to hit like frame rates and, th and things like that that make it palatable when you have that headset on. And yeah. um, 
I have, uh, I think it's a really smart and very cute game in VR. So let me, I'm curious how this works in a controller and you can explain to me after I demonstrate some of the stuff that like constantly makes me go, like my makes my heart flutter while playing it in mm-hmm. VR. So like the way the game is structured in terms of what the player is doing is, you know, it's first person, you're walking around and your Falcon is uh, up above you, like making noises, swooping around, yeah. uh, being cute. And then you can like target things in the environment. Like, oh, there's an uh, an enemy, like go swoop at that and mm-hmm. attack it. Or there's an item, like go pick it up. Um, and the way it works in VR, um, I presume you can play with VR and a DualShock or the ideal setup for doing all the things they want is a VR headset and two move controllers, which right. not a lot of people have, but I do have. Because I'm a weird person, and also Johann Sebastian Joust came out years ago, and I just hoarded move controllers when GameStop was uh, liquidating them. And so the way it works, like, so for example, like a a simple task uh, like um, calling your Falcon over to, like, go land on your hand is you you pick up the move controller with your left hand, you move it to your face, Mm -hmm. which automatically executes the whistle, then you put your hand out, like, you'd put your hand out, you know, for something to land on it, and then... The Falcon lands on it. Yeah. And it's like just a really neat sort of uh, 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 suite of, of moves to have. And that feels like very tactile in a way that good VR games are able to make you connect with the world in front of you. Even totally. if you know I'm holding a move controller. It's like I see the hand. I see my hand moving. And then seeing there. And then I can bring my other hand over. And one of the things you can do in the game is if you're if you don't have a health item and your Falcon's injured, you can pet them. And it like gives them a little bit Aww. of health back. Mm-hmm. And I do that with my right hand. So yeah. I like come over. I pet them on the head, and it's like it's just really there's a uh, it's just a, it's just really nice. Like there's not like a whole lot to it, but it's just, yeah. it's just really nice. The other thing is, um, let's say I've uh, told the falcon to go pick up some item that's like way up on a cliff, and uh, I so I signal for that by like um, I point at it with my left move controller, and then it's you can see the targeted, and then all I do is I put my right hand up like I'm going to catch something, and it throws it into my right hand, grab it. And then I lean down and put it into my bag. And like these little movements that are happening as I'm going from area to area in which there's not much, like it's a very bland space. There's mm-hmm. not, like you'll get to a village, you'll get to a town, you'll get to a place where there's sort of a, a, a quest for you to complete. But like in between there, there's not a whole lot going on. And mm-hmm. so these little moment to moment bits with my Falcon actually proved at least in the first two and a half hours or so, like really impactful because it allowed me to develop like a very intimate relationship with the creature that I'm, sh- I'm curious how it came across to you using a controller, but like the, the use of VR and those move controllers, like allowed me to get a certain level. I don't like the word immersion, but it allowed me to get closer yeah. to that creature, that digital creature in a way that I think would have, there'd been more distance with a regular controller. Absolutely. I think that, I mean, I did get to play uh, the demo in VR uh, very briefly and and did sort of the same actions, got to got to try out some of the same actions that you're talking about. And yeah, that stuff felt really good. And that was one thing that I couldn't help but feel as I was moving through this world as, it, as though like so many things felt like they were designed for VR, like yeah. in the sense that when I had my big falcon when when i had the the full grown falcon on my wrist it took up like two thirds of the screen almost and i like couldn't <laughs> yeah, it's see big. it feels it's big. really big and like if you can move your head and look around and look around it it's not that big of a deal but when it's like stationary on your on your wrist it's like there's it's kind of uh field of view would be bigger in vr too right yeah, like you so just the, literally yeah, see around exactly it. so like 
And and yeah, that's one of the other things is that the field of view felt really like close up and like I was like really zoomed in in a way that I just felt like I should have been playing it in VR. But um, since I don't have access to a PSVR and also VR. And they said this is a valid to play it without. They're not saying the VR is required. There are lots of games that require the headset. They have explicitly said that, no, you'll have just as good a time or it's an option. And so like it's not. Yes, you can acknowledge the game is maybe better in VR, but if they wanted to, they could have said that's the only way to play, and they have they have not said that, and so your experience right. feeling slightly lesser right. is, is and, totally valid. And realistically, like it wasn't the field of view that was putting me off the game. Right. And that's <laughs> right. like, right. That's right. like right. what right. I talked about yeah. in my review is that I I was so fascinated from the jump about what this world is, who like who are th- who is this resistance who like what what are the traditions and rituals that have been lost that we are now trying to reclaim what does me reclaiming these these refineries uh do to help the resistance i had so many questions and for me what was frustrating was to be sort of like running through the running around through the the world and not feeling like I'm ever going to get an answer. Right. And so it wasn't like I'm I don't have very high standards when it comes to like I don't know, like gameplay feel and things like that. Like I genuinely just want to feel like I'm having like I'm learning something or I'm like gaining something and I'm, you know, that this game is like imparting something to me about who who it's about. And so and I felt like it just kind of got lost after the first couple hours. Um one of the things that did this that actually relates to the bird is you know, I didn't get to talk about this in my, in my piece, but there's a moment at which and this line is in my review where uh Auntie who's a character that is your aunt and you meet her uh, pretty close to the beginning of the game. And she tells you to like respect the demon inside the bird, Mm -hmm. respect the wildness about her. And one of the, one of the things about having a relationship with an animal um, that is almost like a companionship is also, you know, the the time it takes to get to that sort of synchronization. It is like the time it takes in training, in uh, in just like time spent together that it takes for you to be so in sync with each other. And f- for me, to to have this companionship with this with this creature with the falcon and feel as if it was only just obedient like that the mm. like Austin you kind of said yesterday you're like that bird is a gun like that yeah, bird, that bird like, is a gun I like that bird reminded me of years ago I wrote a piece sorry. about um I only, I recently thought about this piece again because sorry. Dante Douglas did a really great roundup of all of the Bioshock Infinite crit pieces for uh, Critical Distance uh, published like um, I forget what they're called like an anth- not an anthology but just like a roundup mm-hmm. yeah. like hey here is if you care about Bioshock Infinite and like want to think about that game critically here is everything <laughs> of note. And I'd written a piece years ago called This Is Not an Agent uh, about Elizabeth, not Elizabeth, Elizabeth? What's it is Elizabeth. It? Is it Elizabeth? Okay, it's Elizabeth. I'm almost positive. You're right. Yeah. I'm, I, it's because we've been doing all these Pride and Prejudice uh, podcasts. Like Elizabeth, <laughs> Her name Elizabeth is Bennett. Lizzie Bennett. Her name is Lizzie Bennett. Yes. <laughs> uh, I fucking, she wishes she was Lizzie Bennett. Yeah, she does. Um, and how like, 
in gameplay, in the narrative of Bioshock Infinite, she's this character who's supposed to be a partner to Booker, mm-hmm. the main character, and supposed to be like super important in the plot and supposed to have all this power and agency in her life. And like the core argument is like, ah, she's – or not the core argument. The, the core like problem of that game is like, oh, she's a bird. She wants to be free but like it has been caged by this – by this um, mm-hmm. by her father and by this society. And, and by songbird. And right, literally by Here songbird. Here in a bird, a bird theme. Right, yeah, all Wait, the way through. is Elizabeth actually a bird? No, she's a human. But okay. She has magic powers, basically. Oh, okay, gotcha. Uh, and she has like a necklace. It's like a cage. Is it a cage or is it a bird? Blah, blah, blah. Gotcha. And, but in gameplay terms, she's a, the person you can hit. You can either occasionally she'll throw you ammo or a healing item or mm-hmm. a lockpick. Or occasionally there's a prompt in the – very occasionally there's a prompt in the world where you like hold down LB and then she's like, I'll magic it, book. And mm-hmm. then like she magics it for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But that's even super rare. That's very rare. She's never deciding to do things on right. her own. Um, and so it's like when I see that when I saw the Falcon, the thing that came to mind was actually her in mm-hmm. in uh, Bioshock Infinite, which is like games have this problem, which is if you have an NPC who's supposed to be important, one of the ways that you make them important is by letting them be an extension of the player. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you rarely see, and I think it's one of the reasons why it's certain uh, there's there are moments that are very powerful mm-hmm. um, or, or very effective in games when you realize that another character who is not just an enemy can act against your wishes. Mm-hmm. This happens in God of War pretty like strikingly. A game I don't like God of War very much at all, but mm-hmm. I really like the segments of that game where Atreus is his name. Is that his I name? I think you're getting it right. Okay. I'm I'm also tired. Your son. <laughs> I, you've hit both of uh, them so far. Decides to just like disregard your wishes and you're like hitting the button to be like, yo, do a thing. <laughs> And he is not doing the thing. Yeah, um, and that's what happens. It's happened in a couple of games. I think. I think Last of Us has a moment where something. The Last Guardian is also. Last Guardian, yeah. Last Guardian is a great example. Um, yeah. Yes, it's a yeah. It's playing that is an interesting because it often it's hard to tell how much is the game is unpolished yeah. versus it's a creature that's just not listening to what you want to do in a medium in which you're used to pressing the button and it does mm-hmm. the thing you want to do. Yeah. And it, it fits thematically with what it's attempting to accomplish. And, right. Uh, yeah, that's that's probably one of the best recent examples of a, a thing that you hit square, but ah, eh, what if it does the other thing instead? <laughs> right. And so for, for, for me to have had this sort of narrative setup of, you know, being, being told what makes a good citizen, it's obedience, subordination, not questioning and then to see that like enacted in the falcon was like really jarring to me in a way that just like it like i had some like serious animal empathy where i was just like i i want you to like fight back i don't know like and and i was like talking to you about this yesterday austin and you're like that all happened in the months later like being very flip obviously right yeah obviously but it it does it early in the game right like so early in the game the falcon does have agency where it chooses to protect you right Mm -hmm. where it does something on its own before you have been given agency autonomy over the creature you have a bond which is what the game is attempting to convey but i think Mm -hmm. doesn't go far enough to explain why you've earned that right. bond or why you should be allowed to be the one that is in command. Because right. um, it does that early and it gives an inkling of like, oh, it's chosen you. Mm-hmm. But then the arc that you would hope that the game sets up is, well, how are you going to earn the respect of what this 
creature has just right. shown you what is the by choosing take? to protect you. Yeah. Right. And it feels like that's what happens in that those months. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> you what you wanted to experience, even if it's only a couple of give us a montage, right? Like yeah. there's a way a way to accomplish that shorthand that isn't two hours. But damn, it feels like the character development that would have allowed you to justify the Falcon as a weapon or more easily understand it for the rest of the game, they want how they want to use it mechanically, mm-hmm. could have happened in a couple of brief scenes where you see the bonding, the relationship of the person and the Falcon. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um and I and that speaks to sort of like me not feeling like I see what the loss of tradition uh uh really looks like. Like what what is it what does it look like for Auntie to show me what it means to be a falcon hunter? It's like she says at one point, she's like, things have changed and like she gives you a quest and she's like, this isn't like the traditional ritual for you to like name your bird, but like this is war and we have to adjust and like just prove yourself that you're you that you care enough and it's not about you and then you've earned the right and i understand like that was that was actually really cool to me because i liked seeing how she how auntie was adapting to the current context and was you know very much in sort of a um how do we like it was very much like re- resistance minded and was trying to think about okay what is what is our culture right now and what what can i do to to support it and um i just wish i had had that montage of like here's like how you do like i don't know like what what is the whistle like is the whistle something distinct like right. what is the um you know I don't know. Yeah, there's all the, there's like the big thing about the name is the one that sticks out for me. Yeah, the big thing was yeah. So there's a point at which um, the uh, after you after you complete this quest, you are finally allowed to give your um, falcon a name. I chose uh, the name Italiam, which she tells me like means heart in a language that I've long forgotten. And then I never heard that name again. <laughs> and I couldn't find it in any menus. I couldn't, I couldn't, like, it was nowhere represented in the world. And so after I finished the game and I was writing up the review, I was like, fuck, what was my bird's name? Which, like, if you don't oh, know the name no! of the bird in this game about your relationship with this bird. Yeah, and my whole thing was about names. And I was like, because I was, right, like, right. really fascinated by... Um, like Ara's uh, uh, sort of the three names that she's she goes by throughout the throughout the story, and then I was like, "Fuck, I don't know the bird's name." And I was like looking for it, looking for it, looking for it, and then I was like, "Fuck, I'm gonna have to play this game again." So I play, I replayed the first two hours of the game to get to the point at which you name your bird. I like did all the the dialogue options the same, and then finally saw it, and I was like. And then I'm never gonna see it again. Yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> for it. that one scene. Um, it'll be immortalized in my in my now review. your review. Yeah, now you the have one it. place. <laughs> yeah, now you have until it. it dies in the web archives. But. Oh, I have a question. Yeah. I saw a tweet. I think it was Meg Jayanth. Uh, it was a writer at at Inkle, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know that she's full time at Inkle anymore. Okay. I think she's on never a bunch mind. Of different projects. Uh, a writer, but in she the game was... narrative space. Yes, uh, eighty days, uh, number of games. 
uh, who was saying that the writing in this game is often funny, that there's a lot of like funny anecdotes. And uh, she was sort of giving credit to Cassandra Call, who I think worked on this game to some degree. So did Meg, to be clear. So did Meg. Okay. That's why she, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there that's we not go. Why, she was saying that probably because she was, it was true. But I wanted to right. be really clear about her. She also with. worked on this game. Yes. <laughs> so therefore, this whole miasma <laughs> no, 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 that no, I'm no, setting no. up. <laughs> I just want to know is, is it funny? Does it work on that level as well? Because it does sound like there are some narrative uh, misgivings with the gameplay here, certainly. Mm-hmm. Does does the humor carry through? Is that tone there as well, or is it... Yeah, I mean, there. I think I love the character of Auntie. She probably evokes this, like, her humor is one of the best, like, characterized, and, and it's, like, feels a lot fuller and, and, and more belonging to her character. And she, she like, often chastises you for <laughs> thinking that you know what you're doing and that <laughs> you, like, are... are you know, you declare to her, you're like, I'm a falcon hunter now. And she's like, oh, yeah, really? That's great. Uh, no, you're not. You have no idea what the fuck it means to be a falcon <laughs> hunter, you stupid child. And it's like, yeah, I am a stupid child. Um, so, yeah, there there is a lot of really funny writing. There's, um, you know, some NPCs that are that are pretty funny and, and some that are, are pretty heartwarming. It just, it's like not enough. Yeah, sure. like you I wanted I just, more, right? Yeah, I wanted sure. a lot like more. Um, there's a lot implied in the game that you wish you could just see. That the mm-hmm. game often like opens the door to, and you think, "Cool, like we're gonna see some more." There's like a really interestingly rich implied mythology oh, yeah. of the world around you that you're like, I, like the first, it's the first, the opening hour, like I think is really strong and promising in that regard, mm-hmm. and I haven't gone around the corners to see where it goes like i'm still in that that spot of the game where it's like cool like want to see where it delivers on this and it's it's too bad to hear from you that it it sets up a lot of interesting things but doesn't necessarily take those to the finish line mm-hmm. and it's it's interesting to watch the the disconnect between the narrative and the gameplay because i think this is also like a real struggle the game has is what it's opening the door to in its in its rhetoric and its narrative and its world doesn't seem like it fully matches up with the gameplay that is it's attached to uh, Austin. This reminds me, uh, this is, and this is a harsher example of like when we were talking about like a game like this is Chicago, a game where mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I'm really yeah excited about like what you're trying to do here, but there's just like a wide gulf, and the gulf in this is Chicago is like so much yeah I think broader than what's I'm, happening here. I haven't played this, so I can't say that for sure, but I do think there's another important difference, which is we know that the core of the We Are Chicago team was white folks who brought on some black consultants to, to talk about that. You can go back to – you can search for Waypoint Radio, We Are Chicago. Patrick and I went in on this pretty hard, very well-meaning game that I think didn't get a lot right, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But when I look at the the list of people who worked on Falcon, on Age. Falcon Age, it's a lot of people who are who are people of color, mm-hmm. who are coming from backgrounds of, of colonized people mm-hmm. and are trying to make a game that's explicitly post-colonial, that's explicitly dealing with anti-colonial. Mm-hmm. Um, and and – are pulling from their own histories and their own backgrounds. Absolutely, and so yeah. that's part of why I think when I read what you've written here and when I watched you play a little bit, some of it, so much of it felt genuine and mm-hmm. felt, which I don't think We Are Chicago did for me. Like that was right. the, the, We Are Chicago felt like mm-hmm. outsiders looking in. This feels like people who've lived these and ex- I think it aco- yeah. experiences. And it definitely yeah. accomplishes that part. And I think yeah. like the, the, the step after that is, well, then how does that, how do you tie in that narratively to mechanically what you're trying to accomplish right. so you can right. sort of like complete the conversation? Yeah. And like that's where like this game like felt similar in that sense of like, okay, yeah. like really cool world, but then 
you know, would this have better have accomplished in a game that was actually didn't have that much combat or mm-hmm. the combat was handled in a more, what if you were a hacker or, you know, something that were like the, the, like getting in there and whacking things with my move controller four <laughs> times to make the robot explode just felt like so disconnected from like the really thoughtful, interesting com- conversations I was having with auntie mm-hmm. in a way that's like, maybe there was a better way to accomplish what you were trying to convey yeah. in the conversations with her when I actually went out to the world to to do the work. Yeah. Um, like, all, I think that that really hits the nail on the head for me, Austin, is like, the writing does feel genuine. It doesn't feel like sweeping generalizations. Like, it feels specific. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels specific to this world. It feels referential to our own. It feels like it's drawn from experience. And, like, I want... I want more from this team. Like I, I want, like I want this to inspire more anti-colonialist narratives, other devs to, to you know, um, who speak from from these experiences to to tackle this in their own games. And I like, I, I want more because I think that there's such a strong foundation here, and I just wish there was a stronger follow through. Um, yeah. And I'm hopeful for you know for something in the future. So. Nice. Um, cool. Yeah, those are my Falcon Age thoughts. Bird, very cute. There's a cowboy hat you can put on it. Very the bird cute. is very cute. The bird, bird is very, very cute. cute. There's all sorts of hats, and you give your bird a skateboard. You can. Oh. You skate trick. Skateboard. You... Just like the upcoming Skater Bird game. Right, true. That's a whole game now. Wait, is that... What's real? It, is it called Skater? What's it called? Oh, God. What is it called? I was a skater bird. She <laughs> said, do you later, bird. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, that's what it's called. Kato and I are mind linked. I love it. Mm -hmm. Kato immediately started singing at the same time. It's called Skatebird. (laughs) It's about a girl. It's about a bird who skates. Skateboard bird. Skatebird. There's a video now. There it is. There's the bird. It's skating. I listened to that album a lot. It was all right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame. It's a shame that she's gone and we only have a pale imitation. She (laughs) was a boy and she was a bird. I liked the tie tank top thing. Yeah. That was a. That was a look. Wow. Sorry. Any bird on this. Um yeah, it's that looks fine. Cute. It's, it does look cute. Uh we stumbled into I think like an uh a, a an unintentional theme for this week, actually, which um is that we all ended up working on stories this week or playing games this week that touched on things like colonialism, xenophobia, mm-hmm. racism, etc. Just one of those weeks it was like I was in my morning uh meeting with the other AICs, like talking about whatever was being published each day or what we were working on, and each day I was like yeah, we got another – we're working on another thing about colonialism today. <laughs> um, real quick, I want to shout out a story that I think will probably go live today or if not today, maybe on Monday um, by John – I think probably today, John Golding, um, which is about a game coming out or not coming out anymore, um, yes. which is super interesting, called uh, Struggle for Africa. Um, and is I know what you're scramble, or scramble, or struggle? scramble. Okay. Struggle would be better actually, because struggle like, would suggest it would at least suggest a back and forth, an actual <laughs> right. struggle, resistance. Um, Rob mentioned this on. I think he brought it up on a pod. Maybe I don't know that he did because what he, he may have brought it up on a call where we were talking about potentially accepting this story. Which we then did because it's a good it was a good pitch. Uh, so <laughs> who could say? Who could say? Who could say? It's a mystery. Um, uh, it's a really interesting story because it's. Uh, and I'm just going to hit it quick and, and have you go read. 
Um, but the it is it is a, a board game company called GMT Games, which traditionally made kind of very historically minded war games. Um, uh, is dipping their toes into a more traditional or not traditional more a, a broader design, a, a more popular type of design called Euro games. Um, like things like Catan, the... now just called Catan, by the oh way. Oh my god! It's not no more settlers. Mm. Gotcha. Um, I um, we yep. can get, that's a whole other podcast. Did you get into the history of that game, what it's based on, and blah 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 blah? Because it's not necessarily what you might think it is, but I don't think that, that it necessarily clears that game of of criticisms. Anyway, um, the the uh, I still said Golding. It's Bolding. Jonathan Bolding is the name of the writer on this piece. Uh, apologies to Jonathan. Um, the game was announced as part of a. Um, they do like a pre-sale basically is the way that this this game company works. And once they get 500 pre-sales of a thing, they're like, all right, now we're going to make it. Yeah. So it's sort of like crowdfunding in a sense, right? It's like, oh, we're going to test the waters. We're going to see if enough people want this thing, then we'll make it. Um, but people, in fact, instead of being like, yeah, that one, let's play this game where we like rush into Africa and like the competition is who can carve it up best. Uh, the response was like, yo, this is not it. Like, however nice the game design is, this is not tackling the 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 history uh, with any sort of nuance or criticality. There's, it's not thinking about these the Africa as a continent filled with people who were who suffered, who were enslaved, etc. Um, and uh, and they ended up pulling it, which is really interesting. And they pulled it, and they made a statement that was like, "Yeah, we fucked up. Like, full stop, hundred percent, we fucked up. We're, we're pulling this with the designers' consent. Like, this is not. We're not. We're not going. We're not like." saying fuck you to the designer. The designer is like, yeah, this was a mistake. Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, it's a super interesting story. You should go to the website and read that. Um, and then I also – I'm pretty disappointed. Uh, I was not like fully looking forward to this game, but I was going into it – I was going into it very curious. There's a game that came out this week called Pathway, mm -hmm. uh, which was published by Chucklefish. And you probably know Chucklefish from like a huge array of very colorful, bright games like Starbound and most uh, successfully – um, a little game called <laughs> Stardew Valley. Mm -hmm. I thought of it. I had to think of it for a second. I, I Wargroove too, right? Wargroove also. Yeah, Time Spinner last year. Pocket Rumble. Very bright, very colorful. They they had previously worked with this developer um, for a game called Halfway, which was like a tactical RPG that drew a lot on aliens and okay. alien. Okay. Um, uh, the name of the, the developer is Robitality. Uh, it's a German developer. And it's uh, halfway was like a cool pixel art sci-fi tactics game, sort of like an XCOM, but with a linear story-based thing. Or maybe it wasn't fully linear. There may have been like side missions, sure. but you know, pre-built missions, and you get characters, and you level them up, and you do combat, and etc. And so they a few years ago announced, and it just came out this week, Pathway, the follow-up to Halfway, uh, that is kind of an Indiana Jones pulp adventure in which you travel North Africa and the Middle East fighting Nazis and zombies, and eventually it looks like cultists. I haven't gotten to the cultists yet. I put about <laughs> six hours into this game, um, and it is like... You know how Indiana Jones – you know how everyone loves Indiana Jones? No. You know how a lot of people in my generation love Indiana Jones? It's because mm. they haven't seen Temple of Doom in a very long time. Okay, you time. know how a lot of people love Raiders of the Lost yeah. Ark? Yes. <laughs> yes, honestly, yes. yes. And Last Crusade probably. I like probably the Last Disney Crusade ride. as well, yeah. Okay, you like the Disney ride. Yeah, it's a lot uh, of fun. Okay. Isn't that a Temple of Doom ride? Don't you get in the mine cart? Yeah. Anyway. You're uh, in a Jeep. Okay, you're in a Jeep. Do you fight Nazis? Beep, beep. No, they're skeletons. That's not <laughs> – so, and a big snake. So it's a pathway ride. It's a pathway ride. And yeah, Indiana exactly. Jones goes, snakes. He hates snakes, yeah. I've heard. 
Uh, it's weird that he hates snakes more than Nazis, but no, he hates Nazis plenty fine. Um, <laughs> he shoots a lot of Nazis. He does, and you shoot a lot of Nazis in Pathway. And so like, the premise is like you are uh, a – I mean it's very funny to go back and look at the original pitch because the original pitch for this game laid it out way more um, directly. It's like who you were and what you were doing. And it feels a little bit like they got some feedback on that and so they stepped back maybe from what the group is. Now it just says – Build your team of adventurers. Each of Pathway's 16 unlockable characters has their own skills, weaknesses, and quirks, et cetera, et cetera. But the original pitch for the game was like, you are part of like uh, a – like a – Archaeological. Not even like an adventurer's group is kind of the way they <laughs> framed it. Like a little bit more like – Like 30s style adventurer club. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Uh, here we go. Um uh, these puzzling artifacts manage to draw the attention of wealthy private collectors. As the owner of Lankford & Company, a specialized business known for recovering unique items quickly and discreetly, you welcome this. Your responsibility is to uncover the remains of a lost civilization before the Germans get to it. How exactly you go about this is up to you and your thrown together band of eccentric adventurers. And that was from like 2016. So they've stepped away from some of that language. But, but the core of it is still there. But Austin, if they don't steal it first, then the Nazis will get it. Yeah, I know. But the th mm, so this is a tactics game, and it's inspired. <laughs> it's it's uh, a top-down tactics game, like an isometric tactics pixel game, uh, in which you're doing kind of the FTL thing of moving from node to node on a map. Um, there are a handful of like campaigns or like sub campaigns that have a bunch of different kind of core objectives where it's like, oh, in this one, the goal is to rush across the desert to rescue your friend. In this one, you're going to try to rush across the desert to, to make sure the Germans don't get – or the Nazis don't get what is basically the – Ark of the Covenant, right? Mm -hmm. Which is what Raiders of the Lost, of the Lost Ark is uh, about. Um, there are five of those, and in each of them, you kind of you have a jeep. Your jeep has fuel. You have limited ammunition, and you and your crew of people go across from map to map, or from like node to node on this map, hitting random events and trying to kind of like get across the map without running out of fuel and losing all your health and dying. Um, very FTL, right? If you played mm -hmm. FTL, it's that except it's a space empire and you're trying – or I guess it's space rebels and you're the empire. I forget. Uh, and you're trying to escape. You're trying to get across space back to your HQ basically. Mm -hmm. um, you know how in Indiana Jones – this is where I was going before. <laughs> he says that belongs in a museum. Do you know you? Do you all remember? The, yeah, okay. I mean that sums up the like the, the pulp ideology. Yes, like which is like of the, the, the what what Spielberg and Lucas were taking from of totally you know early and uh, early early pulp comics. When yeah. you're 13, you go yeah cool fuck up Nazis, find ancient artifacts and put them in museums. And then like as you start to because it's cool museums are cool places where you see cool. things museums. in history. Like that seems great. That seems good. Everybody can go to a museum. Like mm, mm. who's museum? Who has access? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Oh. And so at this point in our history, we have now in like in the discourse. We've gotten to the point where we've at least problematized that. We understand what is wrong. What but is, how I don't think Indiana Jones has had the full reckoning. Well, yet, right? guess so what? Like the I, I agree. I'm with you 100%. If they do another one. I, I just want to say yes. like because like when the last movie came around, there's a huge gulf. One, that movie sucked and mm -hmm. so people just didn't want to engage with it. Two, the where we've come culturally and how we think about this yes. stuff is just enormous right. between that Indiana Jones movie and now, so like Indiana Jones's time is coming. Like it has happened, right? Like Natalie, your response to Indiana Jones is where I think a lot of like younger people are, where they look at it and immediately call bullshit on it. But I don't think there has been like the millennial like reckoning with like a piece of culture from your youth that you don't quite fully grasp 
why it is like as bad as it is or how, what we should, how we should be viewing it. And Indiana Jones' time is coming. They said they're making another one. Yeah. And they're probably going to fuck it up because Lucas and Spielberg are still involved. So like Indiana Jones <laughs> will get it. We'll get the Tomb Raider. Like, we, know, we know enough right. now yeah. for the kinds of people that are making a game like this so, that you should know better about certain well, things. Well, here's the thing. They don't even okay. do the alibi. They oh. don't even do it belongs in a museum. You go from node to node, and sometimes those nodes are fights. And sometimes sometimes you – okay, you go to a node and an event pops up. And honestly, most of the time the event is like you see a thing. It's a temple or it's some ruins or it's an oasis. You go to the thing. Nazis see you. Fight them. And then you have, frankly, a kind of boring tactical combat encounter. I'll get into some of that stuff later. You win. You get like between two and five like treasure box icons at the top of the screen in the reward and like the uh-huh. success page. You hit them. Sometimes it's a new gun. Sometimes it's uh, like healing items or fuel. Sometimes it's an ancient relic, an idol, or uh, you know a, a sarcophagus that you've that you've gone through, or an ancient gem or crystal. Or sometimes it's and this is where it gets even weirder. I mean, so that stuff goes into your. I'll say right now that stuff just goes into like a loot bag. And then that just goes into like currency. It turns into money. To- it turns into money that you can either sell on that specific run to get, uh, like, to buy more weapons or armor. Who am I selling it to? Random merchants in the in the like out in the wait okay. in the desert. Specify, but they but wait, but also if you complete that game either successfully or unsuccessfully, it just goes into your bank account and you can carry that into your next playthrough. Um, and oh. here's the most wild shit for me, or not the most wild shit, but one of the things that's like that indicates a failure of understanding. That crystal, that ancient crystal you got or that that like idol to a god that the people in this place worship now or once worshipped goes into the same bag as like you find a broken monocle or a, a German's leather wallet or a very nice pen. Um, it's all just garbage. It's all just – it's literally oh, – it's literally junk yeah. in the gamer sense yeah. in the like, oh, this is vendor trash. This is stuff that I'm just going to flip for cash. And it's like – you didn't even Ooh. pretend that these things are important. You don't even, like, dress it up. There's no inscriptions. There's no, like, Every, hey, by the way, this no, is actually what it represents no, in their no, culture. No, 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 Like, literally, mm. you can't even mouse over it to read what it was originally called anymore. You can Ooh. mouse over it when you find it, but then it goes into this brown satchel icon on your sheet and, like, your, on your, your character sheet, basically, and that's it. It's in there. You can't even click on it at that point to be like, what was the name of this idol? It literally just becomes a monetary value, and, like, that is so frustrating and, like, you know, I like killing Nazis. I'm happy I get to kill lots of Nazis in this game. My suspicion, based on the descriptions of the various campaigns, is that eventually I will also be shooting lots of brown people because there's an evil cult from nearby. But I, I guess I can't say that for sure. Maybe that's an ancient German cult or, a, like, a, a cultist German cult. Games do that. You know, go play Wolfenstein. There's there's definitely a specific history of, of Nazis and occultism and stuff. But uh, so that is – I can't be sure of that. But when I read it, it definitely reads like, hmm – um, and like on top of all of this, and this is why I ended up not writing about it. I just don't think that the game is particularly good as a tactics game either. Like when I think about, we played a lot of XCOM on this website, for instance. <laughs> and my favorite thing about XCOM is like, wow, look at how this soldier has changed and got new cool abilities. You just don't do that here. Your characters do level up, but it's all passive bonuses. It's all like their reflexes go up or they get better crits with their gun or now they can, can you set up a little bit of how the like moment to moment combat yes. works. So it is very much like something like XCOM in that you have characters who can make two actions per turn. They can move and then shoot, or they can move and then reload, or they can move and then use a special ability that, uh, tied to their gun. 
each weapon class has certain special abilities. So like the assault rifles can hit three perpendicular or three consecutive squares, uh, tiles. Uh, mm-hmm. A shotgun can do a wedge like a like a shot like uh, on a cone, right? Or uh, pistols can shoot twice in a row. But that's it. Like no – you can't level up your pistol ability – your pistol – your character's like pistol ability so they get extra moves the way you could with like a sharpshooter in XCOM 2. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just it for what that gun is forever. Uh, so it's like a move and then you take a shot and then the – you move your other character, you use, you do their thing, and then the, the enemy goes. Um, and so it's like the enemies are Germans with armor, or Germans with guns, or a German uh, dogs, dogs, German um, <laughs> shepherds, right? That charge you oh, and bite right. you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was thinking the name of the dog, like or a dogs. zombie that charges you, or a zombie that spits gross goo on you, which is also weird. Like, just give me, don't. If I'm gonna fight zombies, make them feel different than the Nazis instead of just like. These are the zombies with zombie guns, <laughs> you know? <laughs> their mouths. Um, their mouths. Their mouths and goo gross. and goo gross goo. Um, <laughs> and so it's just like there, there was a couple of cool things in the event stuff where different characters on your side. So I'll say that the they certainly make sure that like it is not a cast of only white characters you're playing as. It is an only white team though. I don't oh. know that's true. We don't know that that's true. I can't be sure of it. So I'm not going to make that claim. Okay. Um, I know, like, looking at their website, you see a bunch of white people, but I'm not going to be sure. I'm not going to say for, for for a fact that no one, no person That's of color fair. worked in QA, That's worked fair. as a consultant. Right, I don't right, know. Right, like, we right, just right. don't know. Um, I was talking about the website. Their website certainly has a lot of white faces on it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is fair. Um, but, like, you – so each of the characters is, like, a different pulp, like – character archetype so there's like the indiana jones style dude right there's like a german um not a german she what is she she is she polish i don't remember she's a doctor who like get has better healing stuff um there's like an anti-fascist spanish soldier who he can intimidate soldiers. he can intimidate intimidate enemies there's like uh a a um an archivist or a, like an antiquarian from uh, Egypt, I think from Egypt, uh, who like can read ancient languages, right? There is a German con man. Oh, yeah. Who oh. hasn't – so there's – everyone has pluses and minuses because it's like that sort of game. Like these are specific characters. These are not like okay. – it's not like XCOM where you're just rolling random characters. Right, right. Like, are, this is this a is person in this game. Whatever, yeah. Steve – Steve Indiana or whatever it's his fake Indiana Jones Steve name Kentucky. is. Yeah, Steve Kentucky. Um, <laughs> Kentucky Jones. Um, uh, and he's really tough or whatever. Uh, but sometimes they have things like, oh, yeah, they can use assault rifles, but they do less damage or they can't shoot as far with it. There's a German like con artist criminal where his one of his negatives is he does – less damage to Nazis because he doesn't want to hurt them because they're oh, Germans. He's what? I don't think it's a sympathetic, but it is like something... V- he like pulls a punch. Yeah. Like, I'll hit you, but I want to knock you out, uh, not kill you. That's the vibe. That's a weird certainly. stat. It's really weird. It's very weird. Uh, and But there are a lot of people of color in there. There are lots of women in there, but it's just like that is such... I need more than that if I want to feel comfortable playing a game like this. And also, I just don't think it's that good. And that is, like, it's the double whammy, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, you're not – I don't even want to give – You can't even look past, past the narrative hiccups because the mechanical stuff doesn't quite get there. And I wouldn't look – I don't think I could. The mechanical I, I, I guess I don't – like, you're – I will right. I will give it two, like, big thumbs up here in one one thing or two different things, I guess. One is 
the soundtrack is trying to evoke Indiana Jones, that specific style of John Williams' pulp score, and it it fucking nails it. Like there, the moments of going from node to node and reading the the stuff and listening to the music, like it's really, really, really evocative of that without feeling um, without feeling like it's just lifting. You know, mm-hmm. um, the second thing is, and this is a conversation we've had a lot recently, difficulty options. Um, So there are five campaigns here, um, and each campaign has its own base difficulty, right? And it says, like, hey, this is difficulty one, this is difficulty five. Those change based on things like um, how difficult the enemies are, but also how far you have to go with what sort of fuel and resources you have. But inside of each of those, there's also three different difficulty sliders, which is really cool. Um, There is a difficulty slider for, uh, like, enemy uh, strength, like how much enemy health there is uh, versus how much uh, damage you're doing. There's one for how much, how many resources of fuel and ammo are on the map um, and how much you start with rather. Like, hey, do you start with 10 extra fuel instead mm-hmm. of just starting with 10 fuel? Or do you actually want it to be really hard? Do you want to start with two less fuel and 10 less ammo? And there's another, there's a third one, which is like um, something about the time of day, but I forget what that one does. Uh, tweak the daytime of the adventure. This is purely visual. Oh, it's a, it's a visual tweak. Oh, That's still pretty cool. Nice. I'm happy with that. If you want to have like a night adventure, you want to play at night only, cool. Um, so yeah, I like that there are these difficulty options uh, mm-hmm. at play on top of that. So I, I don't know. It's frustrating. Qualms is the name of the negative skill or the, the takeaway that this German, this German uh, gentleman imposter has. <laughs> Minus 25 damage versus Nazis. You'll never be on my team, my guy. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. If you have any qualms about killing Nazis, fuck off. Fuck off. Fuck off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 1936, and you're like, wait a second. Maybe mm-hmm. we should talk to them. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's my, that's my disappointing colonialism game this week. <laughs> uh, we should take a quick break. Um, and There's then a we... Star Wars on. I think there is, but is it about to be on? Uh, Colbert's out there just introducing. Okay, that's fine. Okay. We um, should come back. I'll, I'll let you know. We have another game that deals with these things, and Danielle saw something really interesting <gasps> and something that's made me a little curious. So when we come back, we'll talk about The Sinking City, uh, the new HP Lovecraft inspired detective game from Frogwares. BRB. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We are back, Danielle. Gulp. What was that? I'm in, I'm in a sinking city. I'm trying, uh, I'm trying to breathe. Gulp. You're gulping. Oh, maybe that, I should no. say ribbit. I thought that was ribbit. your frog there, voice. Wait. Gulp. Do, are there frogs in the city too? Ribbit? Well, it's made by frogwares. Oh, <laughs> you got me. True. I was like, wait, are there? Is it plural? 
Is it what? Frog yes. wear, frog it's frog wares. Frog wares. Oh, Multiple okay. wares. Right. There frog. are many frogs. Where are where's are these frogs? Frog wares. <laughs> frogs wares. I think they're a Polish team. Ukrainian. Ukrainian says, team. A Ukrainian says team. Sorry. The internet. So, All right. Yeah. Cool. Also Dublin. They're also in Dublin now. Oh, nice. Hell All yeah. Right. An international team. Yes. Of people making a detective game uh, that I played last week. It was a week ago today. I'll set it up for you. It was a dismal, Ooh. dreary, rainy day, like a, a cold day. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, I was wearing a coat. I was wearing a trench coat. And <laughs> okay, I better. went to uh, a, a place in, uh, it was either Ridgewood or Bushwick. It may have been just over the line. Not Ooh. sure. I'm sure Lovecraft has said really mean things about those neighborhoods I mean, in Brooklyn. 100%. I am positive he has. Uh, <laughs> and I went to a press appointment where I played about two and a half hours, the first two missions of The Sinking City, which is out in June, the end of June, June 27th, I think, uh, which is uh, from the sort of Frogwares lineage. They've made, I think, two or three uh, Sherlock Holmes games. And if you've never played a Sherlock Holmes Frogwares game, they are kind of like delightful, low-ish budget 3D detective games. Uh, I think there's a place in my heart for them. I haven't really played a ton of them, but I've I've seen a lot of long plays God, of them. And yeah. I, I enjoy this type of game. I wish, if we were still <laughs> streaming, I would love to just stream all of them. I would love Honestly, to play yes. them all and stream them all. That'd be sick. It's so much fun. There's just a really, I am delighted by like a, a at least decent, it doesn't have to be great, but like a decent detective game where a lot of the gameplay is investigating spaces and talking to people and kind of putting things together. Uh, and this is a very ambitious take on that, especially uh, for them. They've, they've always kind of made, you know, I don't know the exact budgets, but you know, it's never been like a blockbuster style of game. And, and this isn't either, but this does seem like a, a pretty ambitious step up for them uh, in terms of a lot of things. It does take place in a town Oakmont, Massachusetts, which is half flooded, mm. and people seem to be having hysterical visions, nightmares about weird creatures choking them and, and drowning them and all oh, sorts no. of wild stuff. So you play as a PI, because of course you do, <laughs> and it's the 1920s, and you're an ex-Navy diver who has a lot of terrible dreams about Navy diving, about being in a you know Bioshock-looking diving bell, right. having bad things happen to you. Uh, you sort of wake up on a ship, a very like salty sea ship, and you show up in Oakmont, Massachusetts, and uh, you're greeted by this like dude in a fucking fedora and a, <laughs> and a, and a yellow like. It was a different suit. time. It was a different time. It was a different time. This is set in the 20s, like I said. And then you go about sort of uh, you know navigating the town. There's a really huge map, uh, which I found really cool and really interesting. There's a lot of places to go to. So wait, is it an open world map it's or not, is it like a? It's not fully open world, but it's evoking an open world. Is sort of how I put it in my little preview that just went up. It's it's definitely not open world. I sort of asked that to the PR person. He's like, okay, it's not really open world, but like. It's a huge map, like really, really huge. Uh, it really reminded me actually of the Sherlock Holmes consulting detective, like how big that map is. And you're going to different neighborhoods and different sections of the city, you know, along your way, sort of solving mysteries and solving crimes. Uh, I'll, I'll walk you through the very beginning uh, because it sort of shocked me. And I should say it all starts with a content warning about Lovecraft and his views. I'm kicking myself for not like taking a screenshot of it. I didn't have my phone like at the ready for it, but I was like, okay, right. We're going like, somewhere with this. It literally says, like, in the game, you're saying it says, like, heads it's, up. Yes, Lovecraft is a racist. It, we aren't racists. It definitely said something <laughs> like this. Was it reminded me of the Mafia Three, uh, right? Uh, content warning at the beginning that was like this was made by a team of you know people from different cultures and different backgrounds and beliefs and something about the 20s and something about Lovecraft. I couldn't tell you the exact content, but it was generally 
heads up, there's some fucking racism mm-hmm. here, uh, which was like, oh, okay, all right, set me up for this. Your first encounter after Man and Fedora uh, is with a guy who, I'll just say, he is one of the two hybrid races uh, on this island. He is an ape man. He's a very rich guy. He's in a white suit. And his son has gone missing because he funded a- an expedition, of course, to the bottom of the ocean. And his son went on this expedition. Uh, now he's missing. Right. I When you said there were ape people in this game. Yes. I, and you were like, oh, this game is like doing something with racism. I was like, all of the alarm bells went off of for course. me. Yeah. Because yes. I was like, okay, well, like. Apes, monkeys, uh, right. these are terms that ha- have been used directly as slurs but also as yes. comparisons to black folk both in America and across the world. But having now seen some of this footage and having read your your yeah. piece, like the actual way that they structure it is like he's a rich white dude. He's like, the richest guy on the island. Right. They set he's him the one up, who funded the exposition. They're called expedition. the Throgmortons. Yes. <laughs> and he's like proud and powerful blood flows through our veins. Yep. And that they he says that they have their unique features because like his father's father, father, married into a royal lineage of some kind. Right. Or maybe just his father, which is not, which is like that literally feels like we want there to be eight people, but we need to be fucking super clear that yes. these are not stand-ins for black folks. Yes. But, I, and it, but it's still very charged, right? Mm-hmm. It's still like one of those things where it's like, for all sure. right, you better, you better stick the landing on this one. For sure. And in your sort of uh, communication with Throgmorton, I think his name is Robert, is the sort of patriarch sure. guy. Uh, he starts talking about the other race of people here. Well, I guess there are three races. There's also humans. Sure. Uh, but there are sort of fish people who are the Innismouthers. Innismouthers or Innsmouthers? I'm not sure. In, Innsmouth is the Innsmouth. So Innsmouth is the name of the story in, that it's in Lovecraft. To. But in the game, from what you wrote and from what I've seen online, it's like Inns, Innsmouth, but with an an E added to it after the I. It's like I N N E S. Yes. Like Inez, but it's in. It probably is it still pronounced Innsmouth? Innsmouthers. He had such an – so Robert himself has like a, a – he speaks with such a cadence of like pract- – like Is it that American like, royalty of the time with the like yeah, very pronounced uh, – mid-Atlantic style. Yes, extremely yeah. like this. So I wasn't sure if it was like a – okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he he is very xenophobic against the Innsmouthers. I'll just call them Innsmouthers. And he uses extremely charged language about – Saying they're filthy, saying they're disgusting, saying that, you know, the usual dog whistle of crime rates have skyrocketed <laughs> now that they've shown up. And so, these are – the intimates are fish people. They are the right? fish or people. Or like fish people hybrids, yes. fish human hybrids. Um, which, so we're already playing with yeah. extremely charged racial language. It's not – again, this does not appear to be at this point in the game like the specific one-to-one like, oh, this is, you know, this is a stand-in for Latinos or, or for black mm-hmm. people or anything like that. However, we're playing with these themes really, really, really clearly. Right, right. Right There's away. immigration, xenophobia yes. themes, all that stuff, right? Like, it's Sha- right in there. Shadow over Innsmouth, the story ends up being uh, – I'm going to spoil Shadow over Innsmouth here. Sure. Old story. Or I'm going to talk about what its themes are, I guess. I'm not going to spoil it. But like it's a that's a story that ends up being um, anti a lot of different – uh, racial groups and yeah. but more importantly kind of at the more abstract thematic level it's Lovecraft kind of talking about the horrors of miscegenation of mixing races um, and of selling out the white race by by um, interacting with other races and cultures for financial gain um, it's him basically saying like I don't care what they can do for us 
um, because in the long run, you'll spoil the blood. You'll spoil the species. Um, it fucking sucks. Yep. Uh, Lovecraft, uh, Lovecraft's work is like shot through with this stuff. And it's also one of the most – it's also one of the the stories of his that has had the longest and broadest effect because his depiction of like a New England town where something creepy is going on is so – was so influential. Like that mm-hmm. a lot of the marks of that story have found their way into a lot of other horror that's, that takes place in, in the American Northeast. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, I was I was playing this and I was like, oh, fuck, they're really going for it. And I think I even said something like that. And, and my uh, PR rep was like, yeah, like, he just kind of sat there <laughs> like, yeah. And, and now because he's also trying to, like, drive me through this demo and, and you know, show me all the, the cool things uh, in terms of gameplay. I was really, really pleasantly, I don't want to say like shocked or surprised because I know what these games are like, but the mix of gameplay elements was amazing, I thought. Mm. Uh, so you have kind of your your usual, you're looking around a 3D space for clues. And then you kind of go into another sort of semi-typical like, okay, you're going to use your special vision because, of course, you have visions so you can reconstruct elements uh, as they happened on a crime scene. Mm -hmm. There's also a lot of actual exploration and a lot of sort of traversal since this town is so huge and some portions of it are actually completely flooded. So you have to use little boats Uh, and you're actually using a map like you don't have like you do have markers and things like that but you actually have to refer to your map and go to different places and actually find addresses uh, and things like that that actually makes it feel like you know light detective work and not just okay you're playing a detective game and you press the buttons in the right order you'll figure it out Mm -hmm. it actually felt like oh no you actually have to navigate there's also uh, archive diving I'm just calling it that Uh, but you actually (laughs) go through certain archive sections of like the newspaper and you know other Hmm. other buildings like that where you actually have to match up certain details it's almost like proto google like you have to search this sort of thing and you know for for example it's like subjects and then you're searching in what section of the paper. It's like, oh, are you looking for headlines, news, obituaries, things like that. So you have to kind of match up the right search terms basically to find things like addresses or clues that will take you to the kind of the next thing. That's Which I thought neat. was so cool. I was like, oh my God, this is brilliant. It's simple. It's not like wildly complicated. It's not like you have 75 search terms or anything. But you, know, you have a list of like six or seven things. You have to match up appropriately with six or seven other things with, you know, two or three sections, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Uh, so there's a lot of actually interesting gameplay here. There's some very light combat, which could be terrible, but it, from what I played, it actually works just fine. Like you're going to shoot some creatures. Mm-hmm. They're pretty easy to shoot. Mm-hmm. You have, you know, uh, the ability to craft things like bullets and health items. It's pretty light again in the first couple of hours. So it doesn't feel like, oh, it's taking away from the elements that are working. It feels like appropriately light, uh, but giving you something interesting to do is giving you a change of pace and that sort of thing. And of course you're going to all the kinds of places you think you might go to in a Lovecraft game. Spoiler alert, there's a mission at the bottom of the sea. You're going to sure. have to you're going to have to go to the bottom of the sea. So you said there's a mission like I, I I'm still yeah. like struggling a little because you're like the map is really big. Yes. Are you getting an objective and then being tossed into this big map and being told like figure it out? Yeah, you have a notebook that gives okay. you like objectives and you also there are side cases uh, okay. you know they told me like oh there's tons of like little side stories this sounds so much missions. like an open world game to me it does I, I don't understand why they like is it just that the world isn't as big as like a GTA of course and it's not and as so... interactive you can't just go anywhere you are sort of okay. like like okay but you, like you can go to these two neighborhoods okay wait how do you get from neighborhood to neighborhood you walk okay or you take a boat okay because so, there's flooded sections but when you say you take a boat you're literally like in a boat and you're you going get from place on to a place. boat you got to navigate some, it feels like you know, some, game to me. I don't know. It, it, it does feel like that. I know, like, 
I think the only reason they don't want to say it's an open world game is because they don't want to be compared to something right. that's it's not with a, a sandbox game where twenty you're, times right. above I, it. I, I get or you it. look at Assassin's the map of Assassin's Creed right. Origins. Yes. It's like that's yes. not what this game is going to be. People's right. expectations no, of right. the world, you're I think, right. are just so that's what big. it is. It's just a marketing thing. Basically, the yeah. way it operates. It, it feels like a very light, you know, scaled yeah. back kind of open Which, world. That sounds really cool to me in a, in, a, in a year, you know, in a series of years where I've been overwhelmed by the size of big, Completely. gigantic yeah. open world maps. And also just like I'm a detective moving around the space and like investigating stuff and trying to, you know, solve all these these crimes and figure out what the, the heart of this mystery is. If they are actually being straight up on this, on the, the or not straight up on, but like going to be digging into some of those themes, like yes. that actually sounds really interesting if they can do it right. Yeah. Which is the big question here, right? Like, some of this stuff is clearly radioactive. There are a lot of ways they could get this wrong. Mm-hmm. I, one of the most shocking moments uh, when I was playing it, other than the, like, oh, God, he's they're going right in with, with some of the sort of racial prejudice stuff, uh, there is something you can see in the newspaper archive. So this was an interesting sequence. You go in uh, to the town's newspaper. I don't remember what it's called. Uh, and you speak with the sort of the editor who's hanging out at the desk. Uh, and it's a person of color. It's a woman of color. And she's a reporter. And she's interested right. in you and your life. And you can get like a little sequence there. And then you can kind of go upstairs and explore a little bit. There's no clues. I think there might be some crafting items or something. But there's no like – major gameplay reason to go into this office but you can go into the editor's office you can actually see a like a web of evidence like the you know this ties into this this ties into this uh and there's a very clear picture of some people in kkk hoods and and um what are the the ro- i guess the robes and the hoods yeah. there's also other pictures of people you know doing other things but it's like clearly an indictment of this it's not saying like oh how cool it's more like okay i think somebody's connected to the kkk or or something and it's like they're, they're going right in. I mean, in. like, we were looking for screenshots today to be like, oh, right, what yep. are we going to put? And I went out looking for – so when when you write a story for, for like, a preview or something, it's rare that you have your own screenshots. It's rare that you had the opportunity to take your own screenshots. Maybe sometimes so that you capture some footage if you have the setup. But most of the time, you're, you're, what you do is you look at a press kit. You look at, like, a, an official website. And and those are, those are basically screenshots that are basically marked for you in the media to be able to use to help, like – Put to like illustrate put it what on the your game is. Put it yeah. on your story, yeah. exactly. And so I went thinking like, oh, I'll find like a picture of a fish person, maybe this ape guy Danielle's talking about. <laughs> and instead, like one of the first pictures I saw was a collection of people in hoods that were like extremely inspired by the KKK hoods. Mm-hmm. But if you're saying like the word the the KKK, the is word like, is not on it. It's oh, just okay. it looks okay. so much like it that it's gotcha. like very clear. You know, it's so clear that yeah. that, that is who this That's is. What that it's like. Oh, I'll, this is it. Like, wow, they're really out front even in the marketing with this. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah, and they gave so. a statement that was a little bit <laughs> – like, they're, they're yeah, like, they we hedging. have no prejudice. You know, we, we don't agree with any of this. Uh, there's prejudice in this game, but that's not the only thing in the game. It was hedging a little – Bit. Like it's, yeah. it doesn't say anything. It doesn't That's say anything. Right. Exactly. Like, exactly. Like at, the, at the moment that you're part of your press kit, you're going to put yes. that kind of imagery. When you are asked about why you're putting it in, you should have a better answer, a more <laughs> yes. forceful answer, yes. an authoritative answer 100%. that is saying we are choosing. There's a reason that other Lovecraft, Cthulhu <sighs> games choose to ignore it because yes. they say we don't want to engage that. We are just going to extract the cultural energy yes. from this imagery. And we're going to pretend the rest of it doesn't exist. They're just and fish people, baby. Just don't worry. They're yeah. fish people. Don't right. worry about it. You know, right. and, and I, I tried right. to wrestle with that in my my own Call of Cthulhu uh, review of a game that came out uh, last year. And, like, that is certainly a path. There's there's reason to criticize that path. Yep. But it is a path that t- decides we're going to sidestep it and just extract the imagery. But the moment you choose 
to engage with what his imagery really is saying, where it was born from, the ideas, the ideology of that, you can't just like dance around that. Like that is like the central thesis of what you're doing with the work. Or if it's not, then you're doing something even more dangerous, which is like we're going to invoke some of the the racial imagery and racial ideology, but like not – like it's just – and maybe it's an in-development game where it's just like they're still crafting like – but like this at this stage, you should know what you're trying yeah. to say with the work. And you can do that without like spoiling what like the end point is. But <laughs> right. you should be able to come out more uh, – up, like, up front and say like, yo, Lovecraft was a fucking racist. But yeah. like we're going to try and work through you don't the even... cultural implications yeah, yeah, yeah. in this work. Right. And it just it, – the, 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 ah. you probably I know how you arrive at this statement. Far. You could easily write the statement that is like America has a specific history of racism and that's something we're interested in exploring with this game that's set in America. Like You don't even need to put Lovecraft's name right. in that yep. response. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I'll yep. read what they said here. They, sure. do not, yep. they do not in fact mention the, the Ku Klux Klan or anything. They say, we as a studio absolutely do not have uh, do not accept any type of prejudice or bigotry. However, racial prejudice were part of the 1920s, which in turn means we do have a degree of xenophobia in the game, which is not – you can tell lots of stories in the 1920s without – making it something that is has to be about racism necessarily. At the same time, we are not aiming to show it from the modern perspective, and it's not the main theme of the game. It's one of the many other parts of the world that our hero is exposed to. I guess a feud like this just goes to show that some people prefer to focus on minor and irrelevant differences between us rather than stay united in the face of a looming danger. That's the looming, the, what they said? That is what they That's said. What they the looming said. danger here I is guess. like monsters. The flood. Uh, the right, flood of minor, monsters. minor, you know, minor different, uh, minor and irrelevant differences. I think what they're saying is like I, the the generous read is racists are looking at minor differences between people instead of seeing that we're all one. All unified. coming together against Cthulhu. Why aren't we all just to get together to fight Cthulhu, <laughs> Natalie? And if the, and if the, we and, have you know, a Cthulhu, if that's the... it's climate change, and we ain't coming. <laughs> we together. ain't coming together. We ain't coming together. You're right. The sinking city. Literally We're in the sinking city. Right. Our fucking so city's about to sink. And this is why this is the yep. question. Like this is like why I'm like, okay, yeah. the the palette is filled with beautiful colors. <laughs> like who knows what you you could paint a, a wonderful picture with this. I'm not necessarily convinced that they will, but I would I would rather them take the swing at this point than Yep. Yes. I see that image. They chose to put that image in their set of 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 uh stuff to send to media to put in front of the world. That is not They an have image. the content warning that I remember being strongly worded. Right. Again, I don't have those words in front I of me. I wish we did. Sadly. It's not your fault, obviously. But I just like, didn't think. Totally. Yeah. But they're aware also, of what they're doing, right? They like are. They're, they're, they're on some level conscious of like the imagery they're playing with. I think the, the, the open question remains, well, what do you do with it? Right. I am like so torn on the – there's like a – the thing on the 1920s and like the xenophobia exists in the 1920s and therefore it's in this game. I'm – not, I guess I'm not torn on it. I have a pretty clear position on it, which is like you can absolutely tell stories about the 1920s that do not directly engage with this and someone should be doing that if only because sometimes I want to play or read or explore or listen to stuff that is not like exhausting and is not – pushing on those parts of my brain yeah. because I already go through it, right? I already deal with it mm-hmm. a lot. I think a lot of times you'll see an argument that's like, well, it really happened and therefore it needs to be in here because we're trying to be authentic. Historical and like, accuracy. Like, motherfucker, fish people didn't exist. <laughs> like, that's that city ain't sink. There, I've, I've read Wikipedia. No city <laughs> sunk into the ocean in Massachusetts in 1922 or whatever. <laughs> Absolutely um, not. Um, and sometimes, in other words, I guess the thing I'm more saying is, 
I understand that there's the other argument, which is, and I sometimes take this, I, I sympathize with this argument, which is when you want to tell a story about a time, you shouldn't, you shouldn't whitewash it in multiple different ways. Uh, you should include people of color and you should include uh, marginalized populations. You should include queer people, trans people, women, obviously, and like uh, people who are not just Americans and blah, blah, all of these things. Um, and as part of that should not just pretend that their lives were were easygoing and simple and that, and that oppression didn't happen. Um, but that argument also makes a greater demand on marginalized players and marginalized audiences who are already exhausted from living marginalization day to day, right? Um, and I kind of come down not in the middle so much but at, in a world where I would like both of those things to exist. And so for every Lovecraft game that exists that says like, you know what? We're going to clear out the really shitty um, uh, like racism here and xenophobia and anti-Semitism and misogyny and we're going to like play with this idea, this core idea about being small in the face of the universe that we think appeals or like has, has a broader reach than just to like white dudes that Lovecraft wished he was writing for. We're going to get into that core message and dig into it a little bit um, or those core ideas. I also want there to be a game or a movie or a book that says, okay, but <laughs> this stuff is here and I want to explore it and I want to to be in that space, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, like, that's why, like, last year on we did that Waypoints on the Ballad of Black Tom, mm -hmm. which I really loved. Um, and I, obviously, this is not going to be the Ballad of Black Tom, the video game. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> but <laughs> if it has a little bit of, if it even, if it tackles this stuff well, I will be happy, um, which is obviously kind of a, uh, a, what's the word I'm looking for when something is, like, necessarily true? Um, whatever. You know what I'm saying. We hold and these truths. This would also be sort of a first, right? Like, uh, inside there, of other other video like, games, inside yeah. of video games, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah I'm not, uh, yeah. Obviously, tabletop literature, stuff other and literature, forms. And, yeah. There have been, yeah, and also like if you're gonna do the thing where like you're gonna rip the ideology out of it, like fucking make a different squid monster, right? Like it doesn't have to be. <laughs> it doesn't have to be Lovecraft, right? Yeah, like yeah. like it doesn't have like you can take. There are ways to take like certain elements and like just go. It doesn't have to be Lovecraft. You're just doing that to. You're just doing that to milk money from the name. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Um, I should note there is uh, a human-ape hybrid situation in Lovecraft also in a story called Facts, Facts Concerning the Late Arthur Gemin and His Family. Huh. I've not read this story, but that is there. Um, and one, fuck Lovecraft, but I do love this Lovecraft quote. Uh, at one point, this story was retitled The White Ape, and it appeared in Weird Tales in 1924. And he said later about that publishing and the retitling, if I ever entitled the story The White Ape, there would be no ape in it, uh, which is a good – that's – I deeply wow. – that deeply resonates with me as someone who likes titles that are not just like, here's the thing it is. Mm -hmm. Right. You know? Um, fuck Lovecraft, but that's yes. a good – that's a very David Lynch yes. laughs, yes. does not answer yes. <laughs> quote. Sure is. Um, I'm morbidly curious uh, about this game. Me too. Whether they can thread that needle. Me so. too. I June hope they do. June 27th. I deeply hope that they do. Um, do we want to quickly take one question uh, from the question bucket? Yes. Yeah, we can't do the trailer, so. Okay, well, there's <laughs> not. Thanks they're really, for the They're just stretching that out. Yeah, okay. Well, let me read a question. Uh, I, I thought we were going to get a lot of people who were like, Fuck off with your difficulty discussion. Um, and instead, we got mostly people being cool about stuff. That's uh, awesome. Uh, and one person wrote in about a game that is um, 
that handles difficulty really well and uh, it's a game with giant robots in it. So of course I'm going to read the question. Uh, this, as always, you can send your questions to gaming at vice.com. Uh, this comes in from Emily in Baltimore who says, hey, Waypoint crew, I enjoyed listening to your discussion about difficulty on this week's podcast. Uh, I'm someone who very much plays hard games for the skill building element of them. I enjoy diving into chaotic hard games and building muscle memory and strategies. In addition to the points you brought up, another problem with making a game very hard for everyone is that you end up with these games that are great for the high-end players but are total ghost towns. Dead games are fun for nobody. Brigador is probably one of my favorite games, but it launched without making any compromises to players who may not want to bash their heads against the game's uncompromising difficulty and versatile but arcane control scheme. The end result was that I had this game that I couldn't stop thinking about and playing, which nobody else could stand for more than a few minutes. Damn. The game tanked, and the developers eventually added more control options. They met with disabled gamers and added a game speed option based on feedback from that community, and they put a ton of work into overcoming the initial problems caused by launching the way they did. This stuff is great, and overall the game feels a lot healthier and easier to recommend to people than when it launched. And the game is just as hard for me as it ever was. It serves no one's interest to deny this cool game to people who don't want to approach uh, a $20 indie game like a new hobby to pick up. <laughs> Ultimately, gatekeeping and refusal to compromise hurts everyone who touches a game. Um, and then my favorite thing is Emily sent in a video um, of, of some, quote, hot tricks in the Rope Kid A-Graph, which is a good name for a type of mech. It's like an <laughs> anti-gravity like vehicle um, and adds, the game is still just as intense and good as ever for me at this level, but people are actually playing the game now, which owns. I actually have people to talk to about this game because the devs compromised. Um, That's great. Which is really rad. There was yeah. also a really good Terry Cavanaugh thread. Did you all see that? Uh, Briefly. Yeah. The, yeah. There, there, to, to, as you pull it up, you, to summarize, like it was him talking about um, Super Hexagon, like yeah. a really difficult uh, d- action, action puzzle? First yeah. person shooter. Game. Rhythm. Mm, rhythm. When I took Games 101... It was in the first-person shooter category. Weird. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Well, that sounds very academic. Um, <laughs> Terry says, some, and... can we just read it, Patrick, or yeah, do you want to read it? All right. Some no, random no, no, thoughts ahead. on the whole hard game slash easy, easy mode discussion that's been happening recently for my own personal history of making stuff. It feels like, from my Twitter feed at least, a lot of people conflate easy mode with accessibility options. They are not the same thing. It seems super obvious when you state it like that, but as a designer of action games, it's very easy to get them confused. I've done it, and I regret it. Not every game needs an easy mode, but every game can have accessibility options. Back in 2009, I saw Retro Remakes at Retro Remakes quietly give an impassioned talk about accessibility in games in the back room of, of a pub after that, that year's EGX. Uh, this was just before VVVVV came out. Is there a better way to say VVVVV? Five V's <laughs> came out often, uh, and I was great game by the way. Great unbelievable game. platform. Yeah, uh, I added full accessibility options to VVVV. I don't know what f- I mean. I'm going to read what it says, but I think full accessibility options is probably underline that one. Yeah. Uh, you could reduce the game speed, turn off screen shake and effects, freely lock or unlock content, and even made yourself make yourself invincible. I'm really glad I did this, and I just, uh, and I. Just don't believe that it, it's ever hurt V, a brutally hard retro-inspired game to have these options. If somebody beats Veni Vidi Vici at 50% speed with invincibility turned on, then that's fantastic. It's still a great moment for that player. It has no bearing whatsoever on another player who does the same challenge with the default options. I made one big mistake, though. On some level, I was worried that some players might, quote, ruin the game on themselves by enabling these options, even if they didn't really have to, so I tried to disincentivize it. 
I don't remember the exact language I used, but in the menu, the game said something along the lines of, these options are meant to make the game accessible to, to disabled players. I regret that. I should have just made the options available without the unnecessary guidance. When Super Hexagon came along years later, I thought about accessibility options again and decided not to implement them. This whole game, I figured, is about mastery of challenge and is probably not even going to be of interest to people who would use accessibility options. Making the game easier would ruin it, I thought, but I was wrong. I've had people throughout the years tell me that once you've mastered Super Hexagon, it becomes this kind of zen meditative thing. I've had people tell me they use it to focus and to deal with stress. I could have made that accessible to more people, but I didn't and I regret it now. Um, and then goes on to link out to a great resource for some a list of things to keep in mind if you're a developer trying to make a game more accessible. Um, and then also notes that uh, that Terry that his next game is going to be more accessible. Also, Dicey Dungeons, which is a game I'm pretty interested in and excited mm. for. So, really interesting uh, note from someone who makes really hard games. Yeah. Both Super Hexagon and VVV are incredibly hard games. Yeah. So. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. Um, uh, anything else? That's anyone? healthy. Like, I'm glad yes. there are more designers that are yes. taking time to reflect on th- why, like, part of what Terry's doing there is acknowledging mm-hmm. that he made a choice, right? Mm-hmm. So I think there are oftentimes developers who make a choice of ignorance in which they're just not even considering it, right? So that doesn't make it great, but it's it just never crossed their mind to even think like, oh, could we do it this way? What would it mean to think of the game this way? Yeah. But like Terry is acknowledging there, I knew I could have done it a different way. And I chose not to because I thought that was like the heart of the game's design and then found himself convinced over time why that was a problem. And I think that's like a really, it's healthy for designers who have made games like that because often I think when it's folks like us or um, it comes from a place that there's there's a place of authority that comes from someone saying like I make these types of games and it's okay that we do it a different way and so it's really healthy to see folks like that coming out and saying it. Um, even like there are games like Celeste that made similar missteps. Although Celeste has an accessibility uh, mode called Assist, um, there is language in there that has come under I think rightful criticism that implies like this isn't necessarily the way to play the game and I think language like that itself you see where it comes from and like it steps in the right direction but just like don't judge the folk the person who's opening up that menu you don't know why they're opening the menu just let them open the damn menu yeah I I, uh he also had a thread that was really good uh, specifically about this and about Sekiro and it was like some options that I could imagine <laughs> would work in an accessibility menu for this and it yep. had to do with uh, various speeds of, of frames and various sort of like you know factors that you would imagine but I did want to ask like okay so for something like a, a Souls like something like a Sekiro something where the developer's intention is for it to be very difficult where the difficulty is like somewhat inherent to uh, what they want for players to play. Do you think there's a way of threading that needle of having language that is not judging people for using an accessibility option, but there is sort of on the other side of that, like here's hard mode. Here's, remember the way Halo did it? Like legendary mode was like, okay, here's where we I sort of developed it. It. It, was, it, was, it, was her, it was heroic mode. Heroic so mode, there was, right. there was normal. The way it's meant to be played. I don't remember played. exactly how they, right. but heroic was the way it was meant yeah. to be played, which essentially they were saying like, it's a little bit harder, but this is what we tuned the game. And then we made yes. difficulty options that scaled down from but there. But it's defaulted to normal, saying is, which is is there a way weird. of doing yeah. it that's not shitty? That's that's the question I'm asking. I'm not saying Halo did it right. I'm saying like, right, is there a way of not doing this in a shitty way? 
I think listing specifics. Like, so I think about okay. uh, halfway the game I talked about earlier today where it's like, here are some sliders. And I know that sliders don't necessarily work with every game sure. and blah, blah, yeah. blah. Like, I'm not saying that's a particular, but it's literally just like, here's a set of options that you can tune it doesn't have to the any... left, to the right. There's no there's no coding around it yeah. besides like, right. it's not like Indiana Jones and the one to the left of it is like Kentucky Bill or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't do like sure. the, it doesn't, you know, have a, a stand in at all. It's not calling it heroic or the baby and legendary. Face for right. easy, exactly. Know. It's not doing which again any of is that shitty. Ninja dog mode, any of that right. shit where it's like, I'm going to insult you to blah, blah, blah. Right. And instead it's just like, hey, here is what this literally changes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you know, difficulty one, two, three, four, five. You can do difficulty. And like, I think there's probably ways in where, and again, I, I know that Stephen, Stephen Spawn, 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 I want to say, yes, I think uh, so, wrote yeah. a great thread in which you know, he kind of argued like, don't reduce easy mode and and accessibility options to the same thing. It's not, we yeah. talked a little about a bit about how I think easy modes last week about how easy modes of, uh, address accessibility options indirectly, but they are mm-hmm. not the same thing. Um, and kind of made this. Uh, Stephen had a great thread that was basically like equal mode, not not easy mode. Like accessibility options allow us to play the game on equal footing, basically mm-hmm. as other players. Um, and uh, that was a that one of the things that that I think that you know he kind of gets into is like. Giving those specific options our way, in fact, to keep that vision, to stay with the artist vision. Um, and with that in mind, I would say, like, just getting away from anything that is particularly, like, judgmental or particularly mm-hmm. – um, that that qualifies your experience in a negative way. Just be mm-hmm. pretty straightforward with what those options are. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or to, assumes your experience, right? Like, assumes yes. your – your life, right. you know, in, right. in playing. Right. right, totally. I like it. Where are we out in trailer? I saw, I saw, uh, similar trailer. Um, <laughs> so I will, there was a screenshot going around. Um, I had forgotten, uh, it's people are like mining like old games to like see like how they've handled this in the past. Like I forgot like how much like the Silent Hill games gave you control over like difficulty scaling. Oh, you're right. In which puzzles. The Silent Hill games, this, and this varies based on, 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 on the game, but like generally like there was often options for, uh, the puzzles, which is like not something you see yeah. in game, like like on the high end, like Silent Hill has like some really obtuse. Like I never liked that part of Silent Hill. Um, I'm not a puzzle person, like to begin with, but like it lets you scale the difficulty of the puzzles. I don't know exactly what that meant, like in terms of the design, but like there was a basic, like a, and not even just easy, medium, hard. Like one of the screenshots I saw from one of the games was like six fucking options (laughs) for like how you're going to scale the combat and the puzzle. And, you know, that's a game from 10, you know, 15 years ago. And like, that's just a, the first one's 20 years old. Now that I'm thinking. Well, and and just thinking about like, (laughs) the designers realizing two core tenets of their game. It's not mm, just, yeah. uh, um, oh, I'm bringing the game from normal to easy because there may be the person who's just like, I don't like the combat, but like, I love these weird ass puzzles. And it's like, you actually can tune where you fall on why you came to this game. And it's like, now we ha- we're thinking about the language and the context of why someone plays a game and to not assume what they get out of an experience. Yeah. But to have been doing that, you know, 15 years ago is like, it's interesting. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I think that that's, you know, one of those things that's I I made that joke last week about like, oh, one of the 13 discourses that happens in games all the time. And one of the reasons I made that joke is not because like I think there's nothing new to add to them, but because we always go because games as an industry and a culture has a really short-term memory. 
Um, I think it's especially true in game criticism space where in design, because we're all buying products and because things are product focused and because companies are interested in building, you can kind of easily trace a genealogy and a history of like gameplay design. But in the criticism sphere and in the sphere of like popular discourse, you end up having these same discussions a lot without one referencing the past discussions you've had um, that often. Like I mentioned the Bioshock Infinite like uh, critical uh, uh, compilation earlier that Dante Douglas put together. I bet a lot of working critics haven't read most of that set mm-hmm. of pieces, um, which means that like they – you will go into that, that instance where you're like, I've had a fresh idea. No one has ever had this conversation before because you're excited about it. But you're excited about it and it feels fresh to you because maybe you haven't read all that past stuff. And that is not even just just on the individual. You know, me, I'm less interested in how individuals fail and more interested in how structures and systems fail. And so I think that we just don't have a great institutional memory. Mm-hmm. We don't have a great like – we don't – there aren't – I can't point to a book like this is the book of good games criticism or like the, the canon. And there's problems with setting up a canon too obviously. But like there are just – that doesn't – even that doesn't exist to where I'm like here's a good rundown of major critical conversations that we've had or maybe it does exist in a way that is besides critical distance. I think I point to critical distance a lot because it collects stuff not just from popular publications but also from individual blogs and things like that, mm-hmm. YouTube videos, um, which is what you would need to do if you want to be comprehensive in the sphere of games criticism. Mm-hmm. Um, but that just doesn't exist. There isn't like a if – if someone came to me today and was like, I want to get into games criticism, where do I start? <sighs> <laughs> All right. Good question. Like – you know, yeah. Unless you're like searching for specific topics, like I used a lot. Uh, I use gamestudy.gamestudies.org dot yep. org a lot um, when I was in school, but only. I mean, they would have themes like yeah, every sort of like every volume or yeah, whatever, every right? volume or whatever would have a theme. But for the most part, I was just searching like. What am I interested in talking about or what am I interested in thinking about? And then I just like go down the topic route of searching like terms and things like yeah. that and just reading as much as I can. But even that. that is a peer-reviewed academic journal right. that like someone who is – something like Baunigger, which is like a super important piece of games criticism mm-hmm. that changed the way games – like uh, mass audience games criticism exists because it, it kind of heralded the – what yeah. Kieran would go on to call the new games journalism movement. Like that would never have appeared in game in, in game studies that would never right. have appeared on Eletimos or Loading or like any of the other big game studies uh, uh, journals now, right? right? And like that's why I say it's su- such a complicated thing to get into and why we have these same conversations again and again. And the Silent mm-hmm. Hill example is great because it's easy to forget that games have tackled these questions before <laughs> because they're old fucking games. <laughs> one was last time one of us booted one up, you know? Like, I mm-hmm. guess I, I watched a Silent Hill 2 Let's Play, like, last October, but still, <laughs> sure. it's not as, we don't, they're not in the, dis- they're not in the discourse the same way that something like the, the ways of, the way that Pulp Fiction was edited or some of, like, if I reference, uh, there are scenes in, like, The Godfather that I could reference in terms of pacing or in terms of cuts or in terms of whatever. Baptism scene. The baptism scene is exactly the scene, right? Like the baptism <laughs> scene, the way all that stuff plays I out. I have a student every quarter. Totally. Without fail. Of course. Every quarter. Without, you know, prompting them. Right. Like with, it's, right. it's what they right. find. It's That's what in, they see. If yeah. you're a film buff and you're 16, you get that thing in your head. Whereas that doesn't exist necessarily inside of games discourse yet. Um, and it might one day, but not yet. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Do we want to keep stalling? How are we feeling? <laughs> I don't know how long this panel goes. Like Does it just go to the end of the hour? Ten more of? minutes. Um, I can talk about another, another game. question. I can, we can do another game. We can do another question. 
We can do, I forget what my other game was. What was my other, uh, that's not that interesting. Um, <laughs> I need scissors. You need scissors. Do you want to run and get scissors? We also didn't take a break, did we? Oh, we did, we did. take a break. We did take a break. We did, yeah. We did. Oh, yeah, I can get another question. Do you want to just go get scissors first, though? If I just rip it. Let's go. All right, we do all these One, things. Two, You're going to rip it all the way off. Yeah, ripped. Your shoes are fucked up, Natalie. Those are some old Converse. They have some old cons. Look, you want to see inside? <laughs> It's all the way. Um, no. How long have you had those shoes? Uh, high school. High so school. over six years. Mine would get like that in like a year. Really? I, wa I walk beard. I can't wear Converse anymore because I just destroy them. On like. Oh, kind of. Are you like me, where you're just constantly scraping the sides of your shoes against yep. like the concrete, and you just ruin your shoes? Yep. Like I, I trip all the time. I'm very clumsy. Like I'll just be walking my dog and just like. I'm just going straight. There's nothing in front of me and just scrape. And it's like, well, I just took off six months of the life of that shoe uh, because I can't just like put one foot in the fucking front of the other. Uh, the backs of my shoes, um, I drag my feet a lot. So the backs of my shoes will, will uh, wear down pretty quickly. That makes sense. Shoe talk. <laughs> is a new podcast Shoot that we oh, we're launching just... a new podcast. We're, just... we're launching one. We're launching a new podcast. God. This is my Patreon shoe talk. <laughs> Sh call it shoe gaze, please. Shoe. Oh, uh, good. I was <laughs> I was listening really to some shoe gaze music this morning. <laughs> it's my new morning thing as I come in for these early meetings. Is like let me just put on some fucking shoe gaze and just <laughs> throw it out. Um. Sorry, I'm looking for one that I want to read. Oh. Are there any fun ones? I would love for there to be a fun one. I want a fun one. We just we. We should have like two separate documents. It's like, yo, we need a fun one. Like, yeah, just bring that one. Up. Fun one. <laughs> we just got a question in from Natalie. She's a uh, big <laughs> fan of Waypoint. Um, didn't give us her last name. All right, I got one. I All got right. a fun one. I got a fun one. All right, this one comes in from Mo. Let's go to the leaderboard, Mo. Sorry, it's a guts <laughs> reference. Hot guts wow, reference. Wow, guts. Wow. Uh, okay. Two part question, but they're closely related. Part one: Which Three celebrities or historical figures would you want in your JRPG? We, we did this, this question. <laughs> it's while you were out. You were out. It was during your two weeks. Wait, no, you were here. No, he wasn't. I uh, could almost swear he was here. It was you, me, and Rob, I think. Did I? Mm, maybe day. it was me. I was here. There, I was there. I remember Patrick, hearing Patrick, you were it. there. I answered, and you were there? And, and I was there? there? And you were there? I Kylo swear Ren you were there. Okay, there. Well, why don't you give us your answer now since you're here? I don't care anymore. <laughs> if I you were three Matt, Star Wars you mad movies, at us? I definitely no, said I'm just... for the real celebrities, I think Chrissy Teigen was in there. Yeah, you did. I heard this. Yeah. Oh, my God. So you remember it? Yeah. But yeah. only barely. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Oh, okay. Wow. You're so mindful. That's not. <laughs> you're that's mindful. not what that means. I meant like you're that so educated been... and yeah, full a lot of, of mind. Well, from listening to you? You're yeah. so Is that why? mindful. From listening to me talk about my ideal JRPG, JRPG party. Mm -hmm. so, that's, the strain, that's the best that's the strangest the, that's drag I've ever heard. I meant like full of mind. You have so much mind. It's, my mind stat is very galaxy, high. Yes. Galaxy mind. Yeah. Galaxy I'm, yeah. I'm tired. This is about Kingdom Hearts. This is about gluten. Who? What are we? What is our podcast that people are emailing us about gluten? gluten? I don't, don't. know shit about I don't about know gluten. shit about gluten. I don't care. If you want to start to examine that question, Austin, we're not no, going to make good. it out of this room. It's 
That's true. Beep, beep, beep. Uh, I don't really want to talk about what type of robot I would be. Nah. My tummy made a noise. I don't want to talk I'm about Darcy's sorry. sex life. Who's? Darcy. No. Miss. It's Kimberly. It's. No. What? You missed what I. What? You misheard the question I just said. No, I don't think I did. Just you think his sex life is Pemberley? Yeah. Okay. I thought you were talking about his mech like, again. No. Oh, his mech life. Yeah. We talked about Lori's Kylo Ren, hot or not? Hot. 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 Immediately okay. hot. No, I'm, 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 I'm hot. I'm on team hot. I'm hot. just making sure. Hot. You said that with such immediacy hot. that I thought the trailer was playing. I genuinely go back and forth. No Hot joke. all the time. I actually go back and forth on whether I think he's hot. All day long. Hot. 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 Sometimes he's hot and sometimes he's really not, though. Here's, you know? here's a new hot shot. Give me a hot shot of Kato. Click. It's in the Kato. Pull it up. There's a please. hot shot. Can you please pull it up. I was supposed shot. to see a play that he's in right now. But you're not? He's uh, a good actor. I was actor. out of town, unfortunately. He is a great actor. <gasps> hot. Yeah, That's very hot. hot. That's hot. That's hot. Oh, Give me that full screen, please. Yes, yes you can. There he is. Just throw click, it on the other click one. Click away. Right click it and then hit open image a new tab. That's tiny. Make it bigger. <laughs> uh, plus, 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 yeah. plus, uh-huh. plus, 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 plus. Make it yep. bigger. I don't hot. know. Make it hot. bigger. Make hot. it bigger. He kind of like... hot, hot, hot. Zoom in. He just had some. Use like... the mouse to zoom in. Also. Yeah, now you can spread yes. your fingers. <laughs> spread he the had fingers some to disappointing pop pie or something and he's not. Is it not zooming in more? No, but you can zoom in just on a Mac. Yeah, you can oh, go like this. Oh, oh, oh. Ding. Uh, what's the alt? Is it alt? I think it's control option. Wait, that might not be a thing on It looks like s- he's talking. It looks like you're making him talk. It did make when you it. you did the thing where right? like the screen shakes. Burm, 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 burm. Burm. I had a bad pot pie today and I didn't like it. It's still not. They're still not showing this trailer, huh? Whatever he's You know what? That's like when you put in like one of those microwavable pot pies, <laughs> yes. but like it's been in your freezer for a long time. Like two and years. so like part, part of it's frozen a little bit. So even though you put it in for the five and a half minutes that the box tells you to and you're eating most of it, but then you get to a part that's like still cold. It's like, like what are you supposed to do? Put it in food. for another minute? That's my grandma's I love so pot pie. Oh you know my God. I figured out what I'm going to do. Yeah. Please. Let's, let's yeah. just start working through them, baby. Y'all remember Hot Mike Mornings? Remember that? Jen Cena no. says, Hey, Austin, Patrick, and Danielle. I hope this isn't too spoilery. Cool. I'm going to leave for the <laughs> podcast. But well, I got- yeah, I'm sorry, Natalie. There was a website before you came along. This is from 2017. Before this you were born. I was here in 2017. Before you were born. Uh, actually, this might have been from 2016. Let's okay, see. Okay, then I was not here. Jen Cena. Uh, this comes in from uh, November 26th, 2016. Okay. Wow. I hope this isn't too spoilery. That was the, a dark month. For the po- <laughs> It sure was for the podcast, but I just got to the point in Watch Dogs 2 where one of the main characters <laughs> dies, and it really changed my feelings on the game for the worse. I felt before the mission like the game was keeping the character a little more at arm's length than the rest, and that there was very little build-up to the death. I also feel like it was solely a sacrifice as a means for revenge mission. And I keep wondering if there's a way a game could have dealt with it leading me satisfied. <laughs> uh, I'm sure there is. I don't think there was. No, Mark, it's like, it's, yeah, we wrote like about this. was a character that was like really cool that they kill in that game yeah. and people like were not happy uh, about you it? People were mad about that, yeah. Me, I was mad. You were mad, mad about me that, Me and Cameron right. wrote about this. I never uh, played it. In a piece called, you should play it because it's really good. It was Except, one of our great early pieces. Right there's here. a piece that we wrote called uh, What Watch Dogs 2 Gets So Right and So Wrong About Race. Yep. Um, that sounds like a great head. That third one's going to get announced in. Very soon, I suspect. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they teased where it was. 
London. Where? London. London Ooh. Town? Not, yeah, that one. Yeah, oi. Not London, Ontario. London, England. Oi! Um, oh, man, that would be such a good twist. London, oh, Ontario. So funny. God. Uh, if you're going to do it in London, Ontario, call me. I can consult. I know. I, I was going to say, you better be on that. Uh, Bob writes in and says, well, this is – anyway, go read that piece. That piece is really good. We're going to continue to fill. While this <laughs> is an entirely recent trend, I have found an increasing number of games use enemy health and damage as a way <laughs> – Fuck off. No. What? What? While this is not an entirely recent trend, I have found an increasing number of games use enemy health and damage as a way of managing difficulty Mm -hmm. far beyond what makes sense narratively. Games like Dark Souls have large health pools and flat damage reduction, which lead to very drawn-out fights if you are slightly undergeared. After a new game plus or two, even the most basic underling can have many times the health and damage of the player character. This is most common in Diablo-style loot games, but just about anything with a difficulty slider relies on this measure of difficulty. Adding new AI routines or pathing is more difficult, I understand, but how would you change the difficulty in these types of games otherwise? You're hurting yourself now. Delete it. I'm going to find out what this is from. This is the fucking thing I'm saying. We keep having these conversations. Same shit. This is from December 8th, 2016. Woo! Keep, let's clear it out, baby. Hell of a day. This one comes in from John. Thanks, John. Let's just see how many times we well, can have the same. don't thank him yet. We haven't High waypoint. <laughs> Austin posted a wonderful tweet last week. Good. About oh, okay. cold takes. That's an evergreen statement. Articles which try. Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> about cold takes. Articles which try. Wait, wait. Um, John's about to drag us for having a difficulty conversation oh, no. again. Oh, fuck. All, except actually I am. I past Austin is dragging us today. Austin posted a wonderful tweet last week about cold takes. Articles which try to dress up the same ideas pumped out for years as hot takes. Oh, my God. I work in an analytical field with limited resources and people power str- – power hmm, – and people power shrinking a balance between refining and creating – I think it's – I think striking it's a striking, a striking a balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Power and limited people. resources and people. Limited resources and people power. I work in an analytical field with limited resources and people power, and striking a balance between refining and creating is a constant challenge. Is this something you consider in writing and curating content at Waypoint? When I look at how you how to present representation in games or the nature of how we play more broadly, do you think about the relationship between developing hot takes and refining and crafting existing ideas? Or how do you think about that? More irritatingly put, are warm takes are warm takes a valuable middle ground between hot and cold takes? Or are they or are they on the level of cold takes? I'm very self-conscious that this will come off as a rebuttal to the original tweet because cold takes are so damn real and lazy. It just inspired a weird, concerning amount of introspection about me and my job and my hobbies. John. Um, I only give cold takes. That's not true. Lukewarm pot pie takes. You wrote a review this week that was like a hot take, but in not in, it was not a hot take. It was a good take. Oh, thank you. When we say hot takes... Yeah, there are di- there's... There's a difference between hot takes and good takes. Hot takes, right? Like, like hot take. Yeah. Well, hot take is hot take is cynical, right? Yeah, hot take like, is cynical. Uh, hot take is is when people say. Well, I say cynical in the the traffic sense of like yes. clickbait. Yes. Um, not it's that like, like the attitude is cynical. It is like the re the motivation for doing so comes from a place like that. Unpopular opinion, but everything you think uh, sucks. Fucking, can we stop and those everything threads? Everything you think is boring, and why are you such a baby? 
I'm online. I, I'm you baby. Are online. I'm baby. Did you all do that thread or that? I need to do it. I'm going to do it thread, right now. Poll. I didn't get good answers, so I'm not. Part, saying but part of the, so part of the reason you get cyclical stuff with like soul specifically and the difficulty stuff is like right like. Natalie's like fairly new to this discourse. Like it's still like a valid, interesting discussion. It's a very to important have. discussion we didn't, to have. We didn't, we haven't solved it pretending no. that we had the discourse and then like, cool, like we fixed it. Like move we on did to it. the next one. Like totally. the reason it comes back is often a reflection of the lack of advancement that has happened. Like there are, there are cynical SEO driven. You're just trying to anger people reasons that this happens. But like the more high minded, the more like hopefully genuine interest in the discussion of games is like the reason we're talking about this shit again is because there's still more shit to talk about. Yes. And it's like the the way we were and if you look at the 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 way we were talking about this with Dark Souls, Dark Souls 2, Bloodborne, if you were to like just kind of wrap all of those up as like a previous version of this, there is a distinctly different way we are talking about it now versus then. Before it was uh just merely like, yo, like the game's hard. Like I'd like to play a less hard game. And now we're talking about it in terms of like accessibility, different player experiences, like different reasons that people play games. Like those are fundamentally different ways of how we are talking about it that is reflective of what's changed in those years. And so the way we discuss something that seems as when we're saying easy mode is, is not is actually reductive in a way that is not what we, the totality of what we're talking about. That is reflective of what's changed between then and now. And so revisiting that and understanding that distance is actually really important and interesting, brings new voices into the discussion. And that's my explanation <laughs> for why actually it's not tired and that we revisit that stuff for a That's reason. your hot take. There. Uh, real quick, also on that note, I just wanted to note that um, – that, uh, the there's that meme going around now that is uh about the it's the guy who's like you only cheated yourself blah 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 can you, lots can of, you tell mm -hmm. me where that came from so i can well i mean it came from someone harassing james davenport a writer for pc gamer who made a piece called i beat sakura's final boss with cheats and i feel fine yeah uh okay. which is a, a totally interesting piece and like good piece that weighed yeah. in on the difficulty conversation um and it's just like one of those things that got lost in the in the spread of the memes. I just gotcha. wanted to take a second and be like, hey, that was one piece of thousands that went at James after writing this 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 not hot take, this like piece. Reasoned piece. This reasoned yes. article <laughs> about about what his experience was using cheats and like uh, particular cheat tools on the PC mm -hmm. playing through Sekiro. And I love the meme. It's a very funny meme. It's like – it's a long screen. It's, it's, it's a good copy pasta. It's a good copy yeah. pasta. It's been put into various formats that are all very funny. But real quick, fuck off people who harass that dude. Yes. 100%. Shout outs to PC Gamer. They do good work. Um, I got my quiz results. Yeah. Do you tell me your, can I see your quiz results? Yeah. What's the name of this quiz? This is a, an internet meme that was going around. Um, Welcome to Hot Mike. You're right. This is Hot Mike Mornings. We're yeah. just doing Hot Mike Mornings now. It. Yeah. it was made on shindanmaker.com. Great. Um, but, mm -hmm. And it's called Personality Alignment. How stupid, horny, feral, clown, cursed, and baby are you? By Great. Dabby Official. Um, my st stats are as follows. I am... Wait, I'm what did you... What is, did you put in Natalie? Or did you I put, put in Natalie. Natalie. Watson? So that means all Natalie's are this? Well, I guess I could put Natalie Watson. See, I feel like you gotta get specific on these. I oh, see motherfuckers cool. putting their for just one name, and they're dodging a worse all right, chart. All right, all right, all right, all right, Natalie Watson. I say this because, wait, mine's different than it was the other. Oh, wait, I 
Are you wow. Putting, are you putting in capital letters? No, I didn't. It's different. Oh, wow. Oh, well, fuck. But I like my lowercase better than my capital. Well, let me compare my capital to my lowercase. Again, this is personality. If you do a search for Shinden Maker, S-H-I-N-D-E-N, Maker Personality Alignment, you will find this meme chart. All right, this is the best one, is my capital. I hate all of mine. Okay, so <laughs> let me go to my photos and swipe through. Save to photos. All right. Hmm. I'm. I'm gonna. Do you need links to everyone else on this podcast? Okay. Why are we? Oh, this so is the lowercase. No matter what, I'm at least level four baby in all of my iterations. Wow, really? Yes. Oh my God. You're a level four baby on every iteration. On at least. Do um, I put in the full name or just this is the discussion name? we're having? You cannot. I disagree with people who just put in their first name. It has to be full name because yeah, that's, that's just Patrick. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah, could yeah, you yeah, could yeah. decide whether or not upper or lowercase, but it is worth it to to. Um, <laughs> To see oh, them. all right. Let me go back and uppercase it. Okay. So my lowercase, I'm level five, baby. Level four, stupid. Uh, level two, horny. Oh, so level cursed. one, feral. Level four, clown. <laughs> and level oh. one, cursed. But my capital letters, which is my more professional side. Okay. Level, oh, I like this. I level like four, level four, baby. So a little less baby. Same level as stupid. Same... <laughs> Uh, one less level of horny, one, but compromise, one more level of feral. Uh-huh. Okay. Level five clown. Okay. And uh, I jump from a level one curse to a level five curse. Wow. So you're yeah. saying lowercase letters. Like lowercase letters, I'm just a stupid friendship. clown baby. <laughs> baby. But I'm saying that's like you're, you're like casual Natalie. Yeah. That's and me on Twitter. And then when you say that's capital, you're just capitalizing the first letters. You're not doing all caps. No, just the first right, letters. So my, my casual Austin Walker is level five baby. <laughs> level okay. four stupid. Level two horny. Level three horny. Level three horny. Okay. Right, right in the middle. Level five feral. <laughs> level two clown. I'm not, a, I'm not much of a clown. And no. level one cursed. I'm not cursed at all. I, yeah. I'll take that as a clown. Oh my that's God. <laughs> Uh, wow. Okay, Patrick just saw some <laughs> shit, I think. Uh, oh, no. And then my... This is your professional. My professional This is, is what you sign your emails two, with. Liz, I sign my emails. Austin Walker, editor-in-chief Waypoint, for now. Level two baby. <laughs> wow. Level one stupid. So I'm very... I'm like, I'm on point right now. Yeah, smart. Very smart. Level two horny. I have to okay. drop the horny down. It's professional. Professional. I'm only horny for content. <laughs> Level five feral. I'm okay. still, arr, You're I'm out, out here. Feral. Level Don't, five clown. I, I think the thing. And level one cursed. I'm still not cursed at all. Not cursed. Are we Are we going to see the trailer? Patrick? Not yet. Oh, Patrick, okay, give me your so numbers. Profe- professional Patrick. The man is like, I'm out here trying to tell you just Good what journalism. the world's about. You're a game journalist. Are you a game stories. journalist, Patrick? I don't know. Look at my LinkedIn. <laughs> um. What you list in your bio is absolutely what you are. That's it. News uh, reporter. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm a, a level t- level two clown. I'm not clowning around. I'm out here just trying to tell stories. You okay, know? fair. Um, level two baby. Like I'll interview a baby, but me, not, not a, baby. a baby. You not have a, a baby. Not a baby. Yeah. Uh, level four cursed, which makes sense yeah. because uh-huh. some of the shit that uh-huh. I look up uh-huh. has just cursed me. Uh, level three horny because look, I'm on Mod DB looking up <laughs> true Leon Resident Evil Two true uh, <laughs> naked discussions true. in which there are sub discussions happening over the design of the penis and people have some political thoughts about the aesthetic that went into that dick. <laughs> huh? Wow. Can we get a story on that? 
Dick aesthetic, I, please. I sent a I sent a message to the the, the designer. He hasn't gotten back to me yet. Okay. Let's um, talk about those politics. Level four feral, but oh my. Okay, that makes sense. Lowercase Patrick. Uh huh. Uh huh. When the, when I log off at five thirty and I say, "Yo, <laughs> I'm going to pick up my kid. Uh, like I'm going to go be a dad." Yeah. You know what happens? What happens? Well, I start being a level three baby, which I think is just that, Jessica. Yeah. Okay. She's like a level three proximity baby. Proximity right to oh. baby. Yeah. What happens is. Level four cursed. The curse goes up. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm a level five stupid. <laughs> I am a level five horny. And I am a level five feral. Wow. I think those are all tied together in some way. Super Chaos. Saiyan Patrick. Just like, yeah, all the records are off. The, the numbers are off the charts, sir. <laughs> Look, I don't want to talk about my love life, but we're, you know, we're just keeping it before. real out here. Wow. My wife and I have been together a long time, but, you know, things yeah, are still keep working. Yeah, keep it know. real. Hell yeah, Patrick. Wow. Wow. That's, Professional Patrick, that's go to stunning. retire. <laughs> we got to get more casual Patrick out in yeah. here. Yeah. Come through, casual. <laughs> Danielle, do oh, you have yours? All right. Terrible. We got a link. We got a link. Oh, we do, got a link? Do we? We, we got a link. I need to hear Danielle's. I'm just <laughs> fucking stupid. You see this? No. It's, it's just a, stupid. Oh, my God. It's just stupid. It, it's like Wait, a, that's a, it's I, a spike to it's stupid. Like a star that's only destroyer. Danielle. That's only Danielle. Oh, she that's just do... all Danielle's. You have to put your last name in. You have to put your last oh, name in. You're not. You have to. Shit. You have to. That's you... not you. That's not you. That's, that's not, not you. That's not you. Well, I thought. I like never. All no. It does just spike. It's very funny looking. That's really funny. But that's just the average Danielle. Oh, this is You're not an average. Now I'm baby and stupid. You see this? Whoa, no, you're baby, you're stupid, stupid you're horny, you're feral. feral. You're just a little clown and you're not very cursed at all. Not That's a cursed. good chart. That's a great chart. I don't know. This is pretty stupid. <laughs> That's a great chart. I'm a pretty me. stupid baby. That end of, and you know, have a, on that <laughs> note. Right. On that note. Can we get a link? Da, I put it in the chat for Can we put it up here, Patrick? Or uh, Kato? Thank you. Da, da, da. You don't just, you can't. We haven't hit title. play yet. Wait, Patrick, I haven't seen it. I admit, I'm pulling it, the link from Twitter has spoiled okay, me. Gotcha. Okay, I'm counting down. Ready? On um, when I say Sh- click. Should we say what we're doing? We're watching so three, two, the Star one, Wars Episode Nine trailer together for the first time. Here we wait. Three, Deep three, two, three one, click. two, one, click. Oh God! Is this breathing? It's breathing. It's breathing. <sighs> it's asthma. Is she a, a runner now? She was always kind of an athlete and a runner, yeah, sure, right? Sure. A scavenger. Mm-hmm. Got that new Under Armour uh, Star Wars outfit. We've passed on all we know. A thousand generations keep that motherfucking thing on her. Oh, and she got a gun. Oh, she's gonna hit that. But this is your fight. Oh, Who's do a flip. Here? Do a it's flip. It's Luke. Was that Luke is Luke? speaking. Who's the we in that sentence? Masters? Mm. Jedi masters. The, the master Jedi. of masters. <laughs> oh, please go to the lightsaber graveyard. <laughs> you know that would be sick. That would be tight. Do a flip. She's gonna cut it in half. She's gonna cut that shit in half. Right in half. Yo, get ready. Wait, is this, Kylo? Yeah, it's is this her boyfriend? Yeah. Yes. Fuck him up. Are they working together? What? Yo, it's good. I knew it. Yo, fuck I called it. I called the flip. You did call the flip. Oh, that's the Leia theme. It is. The motherfucker put red on. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, my God, Lando! Lando! <laughs> boom, boom! 
Love some Peter Vikes. We got pirates. The boyfriends are on those. We're on the skiffs. Oh, oh fuck me up. Yeah, fuck me all the way up. No one's ever really gone. That's me. Yes. <laughs> he's Luke Evil. He's the Joker. The Joker's oh, in the this Joker. movie. The Joker's here. They're saying Disney bought DC. Okay. The Rise the of Skywalker. It could have been the Emperor. It could have been Snoke. They could be bringing back Snoke. I guarantee. No, Snoke Let's is go dead. to Reddit. I bet you motherfuckers are like, that was Snoke. That was the, the <laughs> I tracked the voice. Fucking Emperor. Uh, Kato says it's the Emperor. <laughs> I thought that was Luke. I, maybe Luke has gone evil in his death. Got no, 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 The laugh. The laugh no, the Palp Palpatine is back. Yeah. Is it for what? real? Is he really back? Was yeah, he... he's out on the on stage at the, at the thing. Can we bring him back up, please? Go back to the live just, action. Yeah. That's just... just the laugh? No, no, no. The, the, the stream. The stream. Nobody's really dead. Because that's one of the, the lines in there. Right. True. The force. The force I'm fascinated by... You will know the tears I, of time. Hmm. Uh -huh. I'm fascinated by them saying the saga is going to end. Like, I, Me too. what does that actually? Well, they've mean been talking about this like, as the Skywalker saga for a long time, now right? But I, what does new... that mean, right? Like, I'm curious. Like, yeah. to put actual like a pin on it, right, would be really fascinating. It would be unlike like a... everything else in IP in and franchises right. and everything else. Where like, especially Disney, especially Disney. Which, by the way, fuck off, Disney. That Simpsons trailer like completely freaked me out. I didn't watch it. It just it's well, it's like thirty oh, years. Don't of act like that. That's not part of the slow erosion of Simpsons. No, of course over it is. The course of its history, it is. But it's, it's a logical those, conclusion. It is. It is a logical conclusion, and it is a. Um, so, for people who don't know, Disney last night announced Disney Plus, their new streaming service. Right. What's fucking wild is we could be on that service, and I have no idea. I have oh, no clue. We might be right. I have no clue if we would ever, but we could. I can't wait to give them my seventy dollars because those movies are expensive. Let me pay per month, please. My family, my family needs those movies. <laughs> yeah, please, yeah. my family. Um, uh, and it, it, it's like they announced. I this saw that Simpsons was coming to that because they bought Fox twenty twenty one cent twenty twenty century Fox just right. What was the twenty first now? Twenty first yeah. century Fox, whatever, uh, which is like all the entertainment stuff that Fox owned. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and so there was just an announcement that was like, "Hey, our new corporate overlord," which is an old Simpsons joke, and you know, it was, right. it yeah. was the Simpsons doing, "Hey, we all have to like Mickey Mouse and Disney now." Um, and that was like, it's fine. It wasn't a, I wasn't like offended by it or anything, but it was just one of those things that crystallized the degree to which Disney owns everything now. Pretty much. 40% or something ridiculous of entertainment uh, properties. They like want major all of entertainment us. properties. That's wild. Um, on top of that, the on top of now, we have to think about like all the jobs lost in this, which I think the estimate was ended up being way higher than what the initial one was. Um, oh, right. They faced mass layoffs as well, right? Uh, will result, according to Slash Film, will uh, result in at least 4,000 jobs lost oh, this merger. So, Yikes. Jesus, Lord. That's not great. Well, what do we think happens? Do you think why is it the rise of Skywalker? Do you think she becomes Empress? No, I think. Do you think what happens? She marries into the family. Kylo mm. become good. And You're gonna get fucking. They shouldn't. They can't do on that. Twitter for saying that now. Why? Let them say the, bad. Oh, the discourse is yeah. I let them say bad. The discourse. I know. Some people are just bad. I know he can be bad. What if there is another Skywalker, Kano? Oh fuck! Yeah. God damn it! Not that again. <laughs> Luke, who's mm -hmm. the Skywalker? 
Also, I don't know shit about Star Wars. Don't come for me. Well, what about no, Jason and Jaina from the expanded universe? They finally show up. You know, brother mm-hmm. and sister mm-hmm. who are twins who are basically just, you know, Han Solo's split off again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I feel like if they do the Kylo Ren Redemption story, pull. that will be a very. It would suck. The response will be a lot. Yeah. I don't know that I want a redemption story. No, we've had this discussion. What if he redeems himself we the have way Darth discuss- Vader did? Dis- in, in dying and helping to get rid of somebody even worse. Right. It's not really a true redemption, but it's like, okay, at least you did one thing that was good. Fucko. Asshole. <laughs> Fucko. <laughs> yeah. Fucko. Classic Star Wars dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> Fucko. What's up, Fucko Ren? Can Kylo Ren just be gay? Can we just do that? that I, he'd still suck. I agree. Okay. I'm saying we can use some complex yeah, gay we, characters. Yes, totally. I still think I don't want him to be redeemed is all, if that's... I understand. I don't want his... I don't want it. He could just do the fucko thing. Yeah. I yeah. Want, want, uh, I want Rose to rule my world. She's great. Yes, she is. She great. got... So I've been... Fu- She's she a got, She was one of the last people that were uh, introduced as part of like... Bring out each member of the cast, mm-hmm. show a shot from the film, and apparently she got like the biggest like standing ovation Good. of like Aww. anyone that Good. came out. That makes me um, feel so happy. So Good. And she's going to be in one of the uh, Disney Plus shows, I guess, like as a main character. Oh, so. that's so oh, that's cool. Awesome. Um, yeah. I love her. People should go read that editorial she wrote in the New York Times from yes. like a year and a half ago after The Last Jedi. It's a really, really, really good piece. Hell yeah. Totally. Um, I'm excited hmm. for Star Wars to be over. I love these movies. I love these movies. I'm, I'm not. No, I'm excited well, no. for Star Wars to be over in the same way that I'm excited for Game of Thrones to be over. That was a piece that a went up yesterday. That on Vice. Oh God. Uh, Cold <laughs> no, like that Star actual Wars thing. That was the headline. Anywhere. No, I know oh, it's not. And Game of Thrones well, isn't going to go anywhere either because they'll make a prequel or right. whatever the fuck they'll do. Absolutely. I. Really liked Game of Thrones. It was like one of my, I don't know. I like the, I like some parts of the books, whatever. There's lots of problems with it. But, um, I'm tired is my answer. Tired of, of, I don't know, cold takes. I'm going to miss having something that people are angry about in the sense that, like, when we were talking about this on, on waypoints, I think, like, part of what will be gone with Game of Thrones, part of, like, if Star Wars, they're saying it's going to take a hiatus, I just think that means they're going to take a year off. But, like, right. I, whether you like these kinds of, th- this specific media or not, like, I I love, I crave the fact that, like, it's, like, one of the few things, like, we all get, have an opinion about. Like, That's it's fun true. to have things that people are, like, I fucking hate this thing or I fucking love this thing or maybe you're in the middle. Uh, I like that people just have a reaction to it because there's just so few things in our culture where, you are around everyone. We're, we're everyone surrounds us, and yet at the same time, we're never talking about the same thing. Um, it's the only so monoculture we have left, or or have again. Yeah, like much, these there isn't much. There isn't much of that. Yeah, I yeah I so one Takata was like it's not going anywhere. They did announce that they're going to be focusing on TV after this. That they're the other films are, but the other films are specifically on hold, right? The other announced stuff. Um, not on. So the the way right? they there's a. Very tricky language in which they Uh said, we're going on hiatus, which basically they've already announced. And Ryan Johnson last week was on stage saying with his new movie Knives Out, Mm. like he's like, and I'm getting ready to go finish, you know, working on my script for Star Wars. And they've announced the Game of Thrones 
dudes are doing a trilogy. I think they're just taking a year off and then they'll be back with alternating years with the TV stuff in 2021 would be my guess. I don't think they're taking a real hiatus. There's too much money. That makes sense. I would rather see a Star Wars than a Captain America, I will tell you that. I'm in the same boat, honestly. Yeah. And like I know people they're are super excited for Endgame. Fun. I don't know. Yeah, they're a little weird. I also just have a de- – something happened, right? Because like, I grew up loving comic books as much as I – loving Marvel specifically mm-hmm. as much as I loved Star Wars. I think one is there's way more Marvel than there has been Star Wars in my life. For sure. And that means that the degree of investment has been much higher. Um, though I guess like – I don't know. There was the era where, like, there were a million Star Wars books that I read and a million Star Wars games that I that I played. Um, and in fact, there's probably an era where there was more Star Wars stuff than Marvel stuff outside of just comics, in terms of like other media stuff. Yeah. Um, but I grew up reading comics and watching cartoons and playing games and all that stuff. But something about the something that the Marvel films just doesn't get me as excited anymore. Even though I respect that, like, they've gotten more experimental and a little bit broader over the last couple of years. Especially, there are still things that stand out for me, obviously. Um, but I like. I, I said this before, but like the end of Last Jedi fucked me up in a way that like yeah. not in like a deep and like long lasting way. The way seeing there are films that will like stick with me for weeks mm-hmm. where I'm just like, oh, it's still in there. Mm-hmm. It didn't do that. But in the moment, it like recalled something from me deep inside, which is like very powerful given the kind of the core fictional ideas and, and world that, yeah. uh, of like – the Force doesn't exist. I don't believe in the Force. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way in which that film and its use, it pulled all the right levers with visual language, with music, and with acting, that produced an effect that felt almost supernatural mm-hmm. in in the way that it yanked something from deep inside of my unconscious mind and, like, forced this deep emotional response yeah. in a way that was different than just, like, crying at a sad movie or crying at... Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I cry at I a lot of fucking up. movies. Yeah. yeah. So... I and lot. I'm not going to be ready for the Princess Leia stuff. I know it's going to no, be I rough. Just, oh, yeah. Sobbing, um, ugly crying in mm-hmm, the theater. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited for the Mandalorian. I'm curious about the Mandalorian. I like that there is. I like it when there's mediocre Star Wars stuff. Is the other thing is that yeah, like they can be weird. They can be weird. Um, so, so yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I would say I like care about a few characters. With I don't follow the Marvel universe very closely, and I care about a few characters and I kind of just want to see how it's going to end. But I think with this current Star Wars trilogy, I've like grown and it because it's so recent and feels like it's evolved over time in such a striking way. Um, I do feel like attached to some of the, to like what these arcs are going to be. Whereas like with, Endgame, I just want to know how the story ends. Mm-hmm. But I don't really, I don't know. It's like, I, mm, I don't know. There's only a few people who I would like be devastated if something happened to them. Um, I mean, that's true. I, I spent like my 20s like getting invested in the MCU. Like, and so yeah, I, like, fair. Lot, for me, like, a lot of the MCU is my Star Wars, like on that like sure. guttural fan level. Like, my wife changed her flight. She's going to LA in a couple of weeks, and we realized. That she was, not, I would have to go see Endgame by myself, and not in a oh, sense that my that. wife's coming to support me watching that. We are both like, yeah, yeah, yeah. so deeply <laughs> invested. Like in it, it is one of our, yeah, yeah. Like it's those are our date nights. Is like when yeah. the new Marvel movie comes out, and she she was leaving Thursday night, and I was like, "Yo, Endgame," and she's like, "Fuck," and she called <laughs> and like changed it to Friday morning at seven thirty. Wow, and so that we can we can go True see fan. that. She's willing um, to suffer for it. Yeah. That's rad. Was there a date on uh, this movie? That, what? 
Uh, it's December. Okay, December. Yeah, just Christmas. Or whatever, yeah. <laughs> I'm. We'll the, uh, as people are pointing out, though, I boy on a meta, on a meta like a like a Hollywood political level, I am curious because the Last Jedi does so much yeah. to say bloodlines aren't important. There is no ch- chosen savior, mm-hmm. which has been so key to the Star Wars. Uh, foundation. It's foundational to like how it is communicating the kind of story it tells, which makes sense given what Lucas was pulling from, you know, back in uh, in the seventies. But um, I mean, Ryan Johnson's whole point was to say like, what if anyone? And I'm so curious to see how this movie responds to that because if it just if the final whatever you think of the Last Jedi, like the the closing shot of that movie being like, well, it could just be this kid in a, you know, cleaning up in a farm who's a nobody um, that goes on to do great things. If like the conclusion of that story is then, yeah, but what if she was like Luke's daughter and then she's the one that's going to save the universe? (sighs) Like I wouldn't put it past JJ Abrams to like, to do that, to do the fan service. I hope he doesn't dude. I also hope that like, but I hope he doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like the fact that we see, you know, like one of the best bits of last Jedi is Kylo Ren, like breaking the, mask and moving past it to kind of become his own villain so seeing him rebuild it is the most boring bullshit but like who knows unless, well, we'll unless see it's the- responding to that right like like actually he's a sad pathetic fucking loser he's super hot but he's super like, hot that's yeah. why they i just don't the mask. you know yeah any yeah. yeah the version of this if this if the thing that's going to happen no matter what even if jj abrams goes out and is like this is not – I'm not like retconning stuff. I'm not trying to take things away from The Last Jedi. I'm not trying to readjust. Even if he says that to a microphone, there will be an audience that is like – that is what he's doing. Yep. He's saving Star Wars. J.J. Abrams saved oh, Star Wars. Yeah. There's already 100%. 10 Reddit threads I'm sure that say that. It's just going like, to be the most frustrating thing. So I, what I want – That's what I'm not looking forward to, I guess. When I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm excited for this shit to be over. It's like I'm tired of like that sort of – I don't know. Just like yeah. – there's a when you have to put this this story to bed to like let star like Star Wars could be so many things it is so fucking vague. Give me the Star as Wars mythology. License. I'll fuck it up. Yes. Listen, Disney. Give me but the what Star I mean Wars. is like you have to you have yes. to put the Skywalkers to bed to let Star Wars go be something yes, else. You do if, yeah. if it has any potential. Like I think Ryan Johnson did almost as much as you can within like oh the yeah small. It's a giant galaxy would actually exist in a small box. And so it's like, I am excited for them, whatever this, whether this movie is good or bad, like it's still so big and open to interpretation. But unless you finally just like put a fucking stamp on like this arc, Star Wars can't go be something else and be, and be the kind of weird that we would, you could potentially do with it. Yeah. I hope Mandalorian is cool. I hope like, I don't know. I, I've put so much time in my life into those worlds that I think – but also I'm the sort of person who is w- just so wildly accepting of new adaptations and throwing out old fictional worlds and settings and like trying to do – trying to redo a thing and adapt it in a completely different way mm-hmm. that like I'm curious. If I was – if someone was like, all right, make a Mandalorian, make a, make a, a sci-fi, make a Star Wars space western in which someone has Boba Fett style armor, go – like, all right. And and also was told, like, you don't have to be leashed to what the Expanded Universe stuff said in the 1990s. Like, wow, okay, that's a pretty blank canvas. I could do a lot there. That sounds dope. I don't necessarily know that they're going to, like, 
again, paint with all of those beautiful colors on the palette uh, a beautiful picture. But they could. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I wanted to shift back into to like expanded universe mode and start telling in, telling smaller stories. There's mm. a lot of fun short stories in there all that. Are. A there lot really of really are. fun. I'm not saying they hold up. No, but, but they're fun. the way I look back on it, I'm like, hey, that was a whole cornucopia of fun stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Did we do it? Did we do an episode? Kato, can we finish? Is that allowed? Yeah. Okay. What are you going to do with that whole section where we just spiraled? It's trash. All right. Leave it in. Thank you, everyone. Don't take that out. People need to be here while we drowned. You're right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to us through this experience together. I am Austin Walker. You can find me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker. And real quick, on May, on 8 May, on May the 2nd through May the 3rd, we are doing... Are is this the first time we're announcing this? Technically, mm, yes. We are announcing that we're going to do a follow up to last year's Save Point stream Woo! called Save Two Point Save Save Point Two Point right? Save Point. Did you say, 2. Oh, I see what you're saying. Save oh. Two Point. Oh, you put the two in the middle mm-hmm. and you split it. Save, save Two Point Oh. Mm-hmm. Save Point, but like with a Two Point in yeah. the middle of it. Mm-hmm. We are for seventy two hours. Raising money for the Trans Lifeline, along with our incredible mods. We're going to split it 36 hours, 36 hours like last time. So starting at noon on May 2nd at twitch.tv slash waypoint. Uh, I'm very excited for it. We have a lot of work to do to get things in in order and to get ready to do it. Um, we're all going to sleep well. Rob and Patrick have a, a hotel not too far from here. Um, so very excited. Yeah. Stay tuned for programming. Stay tuned for programming. Where can people find you, Natalie? Uh, being a what was I? A baby, a, a, a baby, stupid baby. A I don't remember. Baby clown. A baby. A, a, a cursed, cursed baby. baby. I was. Aww. I'm a cursed baby on Twitter at Natalie Watson. How about you, Danielle? I am a what was it, stupid horny uh, whatever it was on Twitter <laughs> at Danielle R I. Uh, what about you, Patrick? You can find me at Horny and Feral. <laughs> I bet someone else is there. I that's bet you do not. Else. Don't go. There's no ha- way that's not Austin. a Twitter handle. Look There's no way it's not there. Wow. And feral. That's a shocking. Cool. Great. Let's shocking. register. At Let's you know, register. you could also just put in your Twitter, and that's even different. <laughs> Which wow. is interesting. That's uh, you can find me at, at five thirty. At five thirty each day, I just manually go in and switch my Twitter <laughs> to horny and feral. <laughs> uh, you can find everything Waypoint does. twittercom so, slash Waypoint. Waypoint.vice.com. Thank you as always. You can send questions to gamingadvice.com. Thank you to Bowen for letting us use the track. Miss you. Waypoint.zone slash boen for that. And thank you everybody who's having great conversations over at discourse.zone, our forums, and to all of the incredible mod team. So you know what? Shout-outs to all mod teams everywhere who are doing good work and, you know, keeping their community safe uh, and positive and making sure they're positive and have good conversation. But especially to Waypoints for doing a good job and for kicking the the fires and lighting the tires. That's how it goes. uh, On Save (laughs) 2.0. Yes. I said it right. Yes. Okay. Thank you to them. Danielle, can you help me leave this room? Yes. Please. Let's all take a deep breath and vow to be good and be good at it. Peace.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Peace. I vow. I, I, I do. I do. <laughs> Cherish you. <laughs> oh, no. My um, shoe is coming apart. You're back? Your shoe is coming apart? I Oh, this no. Thing came off. Oh, my God. It really is actually coming apart. I need, you like, need scissors. scissors. Okay. We're recording. Uh-huh. Ready for claps. We don't need to do that. Ain't no clapping. We don't need it there. That's your one clap. That one clap. It gets picked up on all three mics. Mm -hmm. Everything's synced. It's all good. Oh, see? You see that? Uh, What's the episode today? 229. Today's the 12th, 11th, 12th. 12th. What's up? Headphones off or? Uh, I can't hear Patrick. Patrick. I haven't said anything. Oh, there he is. Can you put Patrick up? Thanks. That's why. There's the problem right there. Hi, Pat. Hello. Hello. All right, I'm uh, I'm ready whenever. You have time. Okay. We don't. Oh yeah, we I do need to time. do time now. We gotta do that clap. We do have to do that clap now. Okay. Still not another holiday, huh? Wow, no, two still, days. No, is there a good quote today, though? Let's see. The common man is not concerned about the passage of time. The man of talent is driven by it. Elon Musk. Schopenhauer. Elon Musk the third. <laughs> oh, wow. Can't Fuck believe we just got owned by I know, yeah. Thanks. a fucking dead guy. Mm-hmm. No, because we're driven by time, which means that we are men of talent, according to Arthur Schopenhauer. Yes, of course. That motherfucker's I don't feel dead. talented. You're just tired. <laughs> I'm just tired. All right. We're going to open on Natalie being exhausted, I think. All right. Uh, <laughs> ten se- nine seconds. Nine seconds. Thank you, please. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's a delay. We learned <laughs> right. that there's a specific delay in this room that's like a half second or so. That's frustrating. This room is delayed. Yeah. <laughs> what can you do? What can you do? All right. <laughs>